Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on which part of the world you are coming in from. Welcome to day two of the AquaConnect conference. And what a blast we had yesterday. For those who were in the house, didn't we have some amazing takeaways from our speakers? And uh, I'm very excited about uh, today because once again, we have an amazing uh, you know, round of uh, speakers and they'll be sharing their knowledge with us. We're gonna have some fun also in the process. Uh, I would love interaction from our audience. So do use the chat button or the Q&A tab to uh, you know, post your questions or comments. Also do let us know uh, which part of the world you are coming in from. I know we have a global audience always. So my name is Sharad Agarwal. I'm going to be the moderator for today's conference. Uh, I am based in Dubai and I run a Web3 agency. I'm also the founder of onlywebinars.com and we are hosting this conference on our platform. So welcome once again. It's my honor and privilege to introduce my dear friend, uh, Lourdes Gant, who I've known for two years. And uh, she's one of the active voices in this industry. And what I love most about her is her approach to collaboration. And I think one of the pillars of Web3 is collaboration compared to Web2, which was competition. And I want to share this very quick one minute story uh, with our audience because I run this Web3 agency and I got talking to the product head of Adidas a couple of months back and he shared this story with me. So as you know, Nike and Adidas are in the same industry and they fight for market share every day. But do you know what they do in the night? They collaborate, they exchange information so they understand the demographics of their customers. That way, they are baking a bigger pie and taking a larger slice of the cake. So I applaud Laudis's uh, concept of collaborating with other players in the industry and creating a movement. So congratulations, Laudis, for all your initiatives. And for those who were not in yesterday, let me do a very quick brief introduction of Laudis. She is the co-owner of Manatee Group. She's also an aquapreneur, mentor, and runs a very popular podcast. For those who have uh, not connected with her, please uh, you know, check in her podcast. Also connect with her on LinkedIn. She is a voice that is counted and you have to follow her very closely. Lourdes has also been ranked as Canada's top 100 female entrepreneurs by the Chatelaine Maxine. That's another honor. And uh, she is one of the most influential sustainable aquaculture businesswomen of the year for 2023. So many congratulations, Lourdes, on all your achievements. I know this is only the tip of the iceberg and I wish you uh, success in your journey in this industry. So I'm going to hand it over to you to take this forward. Thank you very much, Sharad. And I see a lot of familiar faces from yesterday. Welcome, Simon. Welcome, Sarah. Obviously, we have Philip, our first speaker here, and you'll meet him today. And we have Sarah and Marilise is back, obviously. Simon, Peter from France. Welcome, welcome, everybody. And for those of you who are here today, please share with us what's your biggest takeaway from yesterday. And if you already actually did the purpose test, 
Um, I would love to know what's your purpose in connection with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. And for those of you who are here today, I saw that somebody just dropped in their favorite speaker yesterday was Oren um, because of how it's appropriate to what they're coming. And Lindsay just said winter is coming. So <laughs> that was good. Um, we're here with Stacy as well and my team who's going to support you today. But I would just like to share my screen to be able for you to know um, what is it that um, we're going to be doing today. But um, here on this page, you will see here right now, my sponsors who this conference will not be feasible without them supporting us. So we have Pitch at the Beach, Pitch in the Sky, Angel's Nest, Rob Arthur's International, who's also joining us. So you can connect with him on the chat. Canadian Aquaculture Industry Alliance, Binnacle is Philip's company. You'll hear from him today. We have the Association of Sustainability Practitioners, the Center for Seafood Innovation, Vancouver Island University. If you're in aquaculture, you know, AquaSpark is supporting us and Victor Gordado. So this is this page is actually the page of where you're going to get all of your information. So you can see here, you can join our LinkedIn community. If you haven't yet, please book a free navigation call with us on how we can support you on your journey. And obviously, if you haven't been listening to the podcast, this is now in the top 60 sustainable business podcasts. So please do join us. You can see all of your conference slides in here in the AquaConnect conference booklet where you can see all of our speakers bio and our sponsors as well. We launched yesterday the Sustainable Agriculture Mastermind. Please do join us. You can see all of the information here. So my team is going to drop the link of where you can get all this. But for now, I would like to get started by actually introducing our first speaker. So Sharad, why don't you introduce the, I call it credibility bio for Philip, and then I can support you with how I met Philip. It was a very interesting story. Uh, sure. So uh, Philip is going to be talking about how to generate innovative solutions uh, to your challenges, a very interesting topic and very relevant for our times, if I may say. And for those of you who don't already know Philip, he's the founder and CEO of Intelligentsia Creativa and Binnacle Serious Games. He's also the president of the Creativity and Innovation Committee of the Marketing Club and is a professor of innovation and creativity at LaSalle's International MBA. Uh, those are amazing credentials. We are very excited uh, to listen to Philip. So I'm gonna hand it over to you and we'll come back with a set of questions on the other side. Over to you. Thank you, Sharad. Thank you, Lourdes. Lourdes, you want to tell the story about how we met first? <laughs> Okay, well, it's very fascinating because I was in Barcelona, Spain, and I was attending um, Stevie Awards because we were one of the winners for the international business. This was in 2017, so you can count how many years that was from. And there was an international day, and Philip was one of the speakers in that conference, and I just approached him after his talk because it was all about innovation. And as you know, in our industry, innovation is really very much needed or you'll be left in the dust if you don't. So I approached him and said, I really loved your talk. I would want for you to come over um, and build a workshop specifically for our team on how we can use innovation in our aquaculture company. And so that was even before the pandemic, he, 
I think it's not possible for you to come to Canada or for whatever reason, obviously my team is a little bit more expensive to go to Spain. He's in Barcelona, but he's originally from Belgium. And so I said, well, we've been doing Zoom anyway. Why don't we just do the workshop on Zoom? So we had, I think we had four or five sessions on Zoom with my team with two hours for every session. And he, and that was history. Right? So Philip and I just get connected and here we are. Thank you for being here, Philip. Really appreciate you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to collaborate with your very creative mind, mind again, because it, it was very interesting. So it's a, it's a long story. I, maybe in, instead of 2017, we should say three before pandemic. No, we have to change the calendar now, I think. Sounds great. So uh, a pleasure. So uh, to talk about innovation, when we've been talking about that with, with Lourdes, and, um, and we decided to focus on one part of the innovation process that we think can be very, very relevant and interesting. But I will, I will start sharing my screen, uh, maybe a, a, a small background. So uh, as Lourdes well said, I'm, I'm Belgian, but I live in Barcelona, Spain since now 25 years. So I don't know where I come from when, I'd ask, when they ask me. And um, so I've been working for big multinationals in marketing sales position until 2003, so just 20 years ago, when I started my business in uh, innovation consulting. So now since 20 years, I'm helping companies to be more innovative, to be to develop and, and to systematize their, their creative thinking. But I, I will start sharing my screen, showing you a short video. It's about two minutes. So just look, and then I will, I will have a question for you. But look carefully. So I will not forget to share my sound, and you will confirm that this is working. You hear it? Perfect. Clearly, somebody in this room murdered Lord Smythe, who, at precisely 3.34 this afternoon, was brutally bludgeoned to death with a blunt instrument. I want each of you to tell me your whereabouts at precisely the time that this dastardly deed took place. I was polishing the brass in the master bedroom. I was buttering his lordship's scones below stairs, sir. Whilst I was planting my petunias in the potting shed. Constable, arrest Lady Smythe. But, but, but how did you know? Madam, as any horticulturist will tell you, one does not plant petunias until May is out. Take her away. Why, madam? It's just a matter of observation. The real question is how observant were you? Yeah, so the question was not who's guilty. We know it now. Uh, the question is, did you see something strange uh, moving, changing, or whatever during during the the story. So maybe you can put it in the in the chat. If you saw something, tell us there. Give you twenty seconds. Something changing, something surprising during that story. Don't see anything in the chat yet. Don't be shy. There is no no wrong answer. Run. Yeah, this, the first one. Rolling pin became candlestick in the in battle. Could be something else. Nick is the only one who saw some something. Give you ten more seconds. I I think there were many things. No, so I don't see the chat moving. So I I will show you the uh, the solution, and then I will we will talk about it. So you missed 21 changes just in front of your eyes. Uh, Clearly, somebody in this room murdered Lord Smythe, who, 
at precisely 3.34 this afternoon was brutally bludgeoned to death with a blunt instrument. I want each of you to tell me your whereabouts at precisely the time that this dastardly deed took place. I was polishing the brass in the master bedroom. I was buttering his lordship's scones below stairs, sir. But I was planting my petunias in the... Okay, so I will stop sharing one second. So as, as you saw there, about everything changed. No, it would be easier and, and quicker to say what did not change during that uh, video. So why do you think we miss so many things just in front of our eyes? You, you can put it in, uh, in the chat. Why do you think we miss that? Just in front of our eyes, a lot of things, even the dead guy changed, everything changed and we don't see it. Yeah, Lula said one perspective only, yeah? As a, it's uh, one part of the uh, of the solution. What do you think? Don't be shy. We only observe a small amount of things at the, at the time. Yeah, the question would be why. Can you check your computer? Ah. Computer audio was was not working. Limited attention span. Yeah. So that's that's the way. The, what what is the point? Uh, only notice what we focus our attention on. That's that's the point, Nick. Uh, we all focused on something. Maybe we are focused on, on finding who's guilty. Another one was focusing on, on uh, maybe the paintings at the, at the back, in the background. And another one was maybe focusing on, on the clock. And that was not, not the right time, by the way, in, on the clock. But everybody is focusing. What is happening when you focus on something? When you focus on something, you don't see everything which is out of your focus. And, and this is exactly what is happening when you work on the challenge. When you work on, the, on one of your challenge, you already have a, have a vision of your challenge in your mind. And everything that is out of that vision, you don't see it. So that's why it's so important. I will share, uh, share again now uh, with some slides. So it's not about the video anymore. Just give me one second. That's it. Um, boom, I'm coming back. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, now I think I have it right. So it's, it's uh, about focusing. So to be innovative, the first thing you know is to go out of the focus you have on and, and the vision you have on your problem. Because why? Because the best way to find new solutions is first to look for new questions. And sometimes maybe you think, no, but my, my problem is crystal clear. What I need, I need answers. So I, I don't want to lose my time. And I, I, I want to look uh, for, for solutions. And people, a lot of uh, people in the companies I see are, are jumping directly into, into idea generation, which is a mistake. As you can see on, on the screen now, the, um, the, 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 this is the innovation process. So you can put different names to the different part of the process, but it's always the same philosophy, which is first to explore your problem. Second, to generate ideas and solutions on your problem. And then let's say a convergence phase to make the ideas more, more specific and, and to define the first experiments. But this first part, exploration, a lot of times, uh, from my experience, they don't do it in, in, in companies, and it's a big mistake. Instead of jumping directly into idea generation, you should try to find a new vision and your problem and to find new questions you don't have on the table when you're facing and you're tackling your, your challenge. And from my, my no, 20 years experience in innovation, if somebody would ask me, uh, give me one key success factor in innovation, I would say, without any doubt, I would say that one. Don't forget to reframe and rethink your problem before starting to look for solutions. And I will show you some, some examples. It's, it's true that it's not new. Even Einstein was saying uh, years ago, if I had an hour to save the world, I would uh, invest 55 minutes to redefine the problem. And I think it was right on that also. 
so it's not new and it's quite logical, but but people are not doing it. That's my my experience. So uh, why is it so important? I would say three main reasons. The first one would be to be sure you solve the right problem. Maybe you can think, I, I know my problem, so I'm sure I'm solving the right problem. Are you sure? I'll give you an example. Uh, this is a real example in, in, in Spain. So it's a client uh, gave it to me. So they had, as you see on the screen, they had a big problem, graffitis on, on the ATMs, no? So the, um, what, what is the obvious challenge? No? When you look at that, the obvious challenge could be uh, how to avoid people to make graffitis there, or how to clean it uh, easily every day. No, that could be. So, but they had been working a lot on, on these two challenges and there was no, no, no answer. It was not working. Uh, so there was no way with these two questions. So they started to think about the problem and reframe the problem. And then they found a new question, which is instead of how, uh, how to avoid graffitis, how to control the graffitis, how to have the control of what will be, uh, will be there. And then what they did is to give that space to one person uh, making graffitis. And there is like a, an informal law in this world of, of, of people making graffitis, which is, when somebody did one, you don't you don't write on it, so you don't paint on it. So they they gave it to one to one uh, people. He did uh, the one you saw on the on on the screen on the right uh, pictures, and from there nobody else was coming and doing anything there. So you see, they found the solution, changing the question. So they changed the problem. There was no answer to my first problem, how to avoid graffitis, but maybe there there was an answer to another question, which is how to control the graffiti. So that's that's the way. Sometimes to change the problem you are solving. No? Um, also because a lot of times you, you, you solve more the consequence of the problem than the problem itself. Uh, a second reason is people used to work on, on very generic challenges from my experience. So you start an, a, a brainstorming on idea generation on something which is very generic. I can give you some examples, uh, how to improve my communication, how to improve remote working, how to improve mobility in the cities. But I, let, let's, let's go a bit closer maybe to your business. No? Uh, how to improve seed quality, how to increase survival rate. So you see, these of course these are very relevant problems in your in your industry. But how to increase survival rate? Probably first you have already um, a focus in your mind. You have already a vision in your mind of what the problem is about. No, and the second thing is very generic. So the the, the answers, if you make a brainstorming, the the, the ideas will also very will, uh, will also be very generic. So what you should try to do is to have more specific questions and i will show you how to do that and and if you have more specific questions then you have more you will have more specific answers no a lot of people are complaining after brainstorming saying yeah but uh, ideas but it's not very specific it's very generic i don't know how to activate it that that's the reason so you start from a too generic question and the first reason is because disruption is starting with the question not with the answer so a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people think that uh, disruption, creativity, is starting with uh, with the ideas. No, it's starting with the question. If you have a totally different question, disruption will start there. So start try to have very different questions before looking for for ideas. Uh, and sometimes it's only a slight change, even in the wording, could open a really new ways. We'll give you an, uh, an example there. Shura is the uh, it's a, the leading the leading company in uh, insurance in South America. It's a Colombian company. And they came to us with a with a project, and it was about how to develop new insurance product. Then we made a, a reframe a practice with some of the tools I, I will show you in a moment, and and we made like a brainstorming, looking for questions. 
And then one of the questions, for example, was how to develop, instead of new insurance products, new ways to cover risk. So it's another another way to express the same, but it seems very similar, no? But it's not. Because when you have a question, how to develop new insurance product, your answer can only be an insurance product. Everything that is not an insurance product is not an answer to your question. So if you change a little bit and you, you look for new ways to cover risk, then you could find a lot of ideas that maybe are not technically or legally an insurance, but are also covering the, the risk. And, and by the way, we, we, we found a new project there by changing this, this question. And the, the, the solution was a, like a collaborative insurance. So everybody is putting, imagine you are traveling a lot, we are 10 people and you're afraid to lose your mobile phone or, or, or to have it stolen. No? So a, a, a classical insurance would be more expensive than to buy a new phone. So what they said is, why not to put uh, each one of us, who are 10, uh, is putting $100 on the table. So we have 1,000, probably enough to buy a new one. If somebody uh, is losing the phone, it's just taking the money. If, if nobody is losing it, at the end of the year, maybe everybody is taking the money back, maybe minus $2, which is the fee, the business was there. No? And they launched that project. That's, that was not an answer to a new insurance product. This is not an insurance. That was an answer to, to another way to cover the risk. So you see sometimes even a slight change in the wording could really open new ways. And that's exactly what was uh, happening with the video. No? When, when I have one vision, I can have a lot of things just in front of me, I don't see them. So if my vision is insurance, everything that is outside insurance is outside of my vision. And changing insurance into covering, covering risk, it's, uh, it's really opening a lot of uh, opportunities. So I, I will show you, I want to show you some practical things because I, I want to, to, give to, to give you a takeaway, not to have something that could be useful uh, tomorrow for you. And so there, there are a lot of, uh, of, of tools. I will give you some, some, some recommendation about books in a moment, but let, let's try with uh, three or four uh, easy tools. The first one is just change the wording. Change the words that you are always using when you work on your challenge. You will see that that will change the way you look at your problem. So I give you an example on the screen there. I was working with a commercial team and, uh, and they were working on how to improve the, the customer loyalty. So you can, you can imagine for a, a commercial team that working on, on customer loyalty is not new. No, probably they, they think about it every day. So they have already a, a mindset about the customer loyalty that fixed in their mind. And it's very difficult to be innovative is if they don't change the words there. So what we did is just a brainstorming. And this, this tool is just making a brainstorming using new words. And so we, we found things like that, no? First, quite classical uh, uh, ideas of new incentives, how to make sure they, that then they were, they were a bit more disruptive, uh, how to avoid them to find my competitors, uh, how to be sure they see me as a partner, how to make them uh, sign an exclusivity contract or to be in their top of mind. So you see a lot of ways we found to say this with other words. Some questions looking a bit crazy, no? Uh, how to make them feel back if they feel bad if they don't buy me. So you can think, oh, that's a crazy question. That's not useful for me in, in the business. That's just, I'm looking for serious uh, answers. But it's not because the question is looking a bit crazy that the answers will be crazy. And it's the opposite. It's a strong stimulus. So ideas to make them feel bad if they don't buy me, it's a quite uh, interesting way to say how to improve relationship. So it's not crazy what is behind that. And we did it. We used that one and we found a lot of ideas. So you see here, for example, you're working more about relationships and, 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 and feelings. Uh, if you uh, work on that one, how to make sure that they don't find my competitors looks a bit crazy, but it's maybe a probably way to say how to be more, more visible than my, than my competition, but it's more 
it's more powerful as a, as a stimulus for idea generation when used in a, in a brainstorming. So it's just about doing a brainstorming, trying to find a lot of different ways with different words to express the problem and then choose the, the questions that are more different that you have not been working on. So I ask these people, for example, when you uh, think about customer loyalty, what do you have in mind? And they said, we always work on new incentives and we've been all, also working a lot on how to be in the in the top of mind. Uh, so so in uh, how to 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 raise the um, the awareness. So we said we don't don't attack the problem from there because you will find the question the the answers that you always uh, have in your in your meetings. So what are the most surprising questions for you? And they said this. So okay. So let's tackle your challenge from this point of view and from this this entrance this perspective. The probability you get more disruptive ideas is much higher. This is what we did and we found a lot of new of new ideas. So you see. Start with something as easy as that. Next time you go to a meeting, let's say, okay, don't use the question and the words we are always using. Try to use different words. And you will see the vision on your problems, even with this small trick will, will already change. For example, uh, in, in yours, I, I don't know in details your your sector. I've been working with you. I'm not a specialist at all, but I can imagine you know, how to improve seed quality. If you have more specific question, how to improve the harvest, how to improve before, how to improve after, how to control the storage condition, how to maintain the quality, which is not exactly the same than to improve the quality. The quality, uh, and and then you can you can express that. You could you could make a brainstorming, have a lot of questions, and then look at it and say, oh, what is what is the question really that we we did not tackle when you when you we were uh, in a meeting about about the uh, the challenge, no? And then you start from there. Probably you will have good ideas is much higher. So that's the first one. So the, the second one, we, I will show for, for tools today, is um, how, to, how to focus. So it's focus on stakeholders, moment, or places. So that, this is to make more specific questions. So start, for example, to make a list of stakeholders in your problem. Start a list of moments or a list of places. So it, let's, let's try, for example, with that um, challenge I had with, with some client. How to improve online meetings? I think it's a it's a relevant challenge for everybody after years online now. And they said, uh, who are the stakeholders? And they said, high management. But then they, they they've been a bit more creative. Uh, young, younger colleagues, uh, people boring when they talk online, uh, people uh, nervous people or shy people. You can say these kind of things. Uh, IT, the facilitator, and so on. Then we did the same with moments. Uh, make a list of the relevant moments for your problem. So they say before the meeting, maybe when you send the, in the invite, when there is a conflict, when people do not agree, when you have to make a decision, when you have to close the meeting, and so on. No, or relevant places. What can be a relevant place? Uh, maybe you are doing uh, office, home, but could be also uh, I don't know Teams is a is a place. Or it could be cafeteria, your car, whatever. Then you make a list of of these places, and then you have raw material to make new questions, because if you use the first one. Would be how to get high management helping to improve the meetings. IT could be how to have somebody from IT always uh, ready to help at the beginning of a meeting. Or if you have younger colleagues, maybe how to have the young uh, to use the younger colleagues to make the, the the online meetings more exciting, and so on. And then you do the same with the moments. So it's it's helping a lot to have more specific questions. The key point there is try and when you make the list of stakeholders, moments, and places to be original there, not to have only in your case, I think I made the example. Yeah, how to improve seed quality? 
uh, obvious stakeholders, no administration, the companies, the customers, the NGOs, the association, but try to be more original. Uh, a, a stakeholder can be the fishes, the fishes around your uh, around your your seat, and then maybe the question is maybe how to use the fishes to help to to help uh, to improve the quality. I don't know if it's a crazy question, but I mean, fishes are helping other fishes to do something. So I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm saying, but just to try. If after two minutes you don't find any answer, it was a crazy question. You go to the next one. Uh, but then you have people cleaning, maybe the driver of the truck or the people uh, making the uh, giving the treatment, whatever. But try to go a bit further than the basic stakeholders, and then you will be more original questions. And do the same with the moments and places. Uh, try to have more original moments, and you have more original questions. Maybe you didn't, you didn't, uh, you've not been working on. So that's the the second one. Just focus. Focus on moment, places, people, and then you have more specific questions. Let's see a third one, more original. Then number three, number four, I try to be more disruptive. Um, you can pick up a relevant company that you know. Right, let's try with Apple, for example. And then first, you see what they are doing. So you forget your, your, your challenge. So I have an example here with a client, how to improve the reception of a hotel. And we, we, pick up, we picked up uh, apples and we said, what is Apple doing? Not the reception in general, from, from the point of view as, as a customer. They say uh, they are very visual, they are very, very uh, user-friendly, uh, people are, are proud to show that they are using app, uh, Apple, they are generating, generating expectations, uh, they are making big, big events every year and so on. So you make a list of these things that you see from Apple. And then you use these things to make new questions. So it's like to put a filter and you will see you now your, your, your challenge, in this case, to improve the reception of the hotel through this filter. So it will be how to transform our clients into fans of our reception, how to make it very visual and easy to use, to use. how to make people proud, sorry, it's a D, of using the, that reception, how to generate rumors about our, uh, our reception. And then if you, are, you want more different questions, you use another one. Let's uh, use, for example, uh, I don't know, uh, Amazon. What, do we, what would you say about Amazon? Uh, there is a prime, no, the level. So the question could be, how to have uh, a prime level in my reception? How to develop a prime level? Or there is a tracking system in Amazon. So how to develop a tracking system helping people at my reception? So you can do that with different kind of companies, and you so you see the problem through this filter, and it will help. It will help you to generate questions that you would never have if you don't do it like like that. So I made also the the small uh, exercise with the with the seed, with Apple. It could be how to develop a visual system system to see when the quality is going down, for example, uh, or how to attract. No, it's uh, um, Apple is very attractive. No, how to to attract high potential people to work in the sector. How to make it uh, um, interesting to work. How to provoke administration because Apple is provocative. Uh, to get more active help. So you see uh, through Apple, I, I, I saw in two minutes, I saw these questions that may, are maybe interesting. And then you you see, you see do the same, you generate different questions and you pick up the questions that are surprising for you and that you never used when you were working on your challenge. And I will show you the last one. This is my favorite. And uh, because it's, it's very disruptive. So I, I call it sacred codes. So sacred codes are untouchable. So what are you doing first? You make a list of what is untouchable in your challenge. So for I had an example with a client there, how to improve financial reports, what is untouchable? They said, you, you will have numbers, of course. No? So everything that, you can change a lot of things, but something are really untouchable. What? That you will have numbers. It, ha it has to be updated. It has to be checked. 
has to be sent by the financial department. Okay. And then what you what are you doing? You touch it. So of course, in this case, it will it will look a bit crazy. That's the objective, no? Because you want really to touch what you never touch. So how to make a financial report without numbers? And we did it. We've been working on that. So it doesn't mean that at the end uh, you will have no number. It means that first you, it, it's obliging you to think how would it be without numbers? And then they said maybe you have shapes uh, uh, showing the trends, maybe color codes. Uh, showing other things, maybe drawings. And then they were very original. They, they found a lot of things that they would not have found with the question uh, with only how to improve or how to, to make uh, the financial report uh, easier to, to, to read. And then we'll give you another example. We've been working with a transport company. What is untouchable? Uh, it has to be quick. It has to go, of course, to the people uh, who, who order. No. So it's obvious that the, 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 the people ordering has to receive it. So the uh, crazy question was how to develop a, a transport system that is not arriving to the people who order. Looks crazy. And then we said, why, what could it be, why could it be interesting? Maybe because the people ordering are not at home or at the business to receive it. Okay, so no, it happened to, it happened to everybody with uh, Amazon coming home when you're not there. No? And uh, so we said, how, how could, we, could we develop that? And then it, maybe you have the uh, Amazon locker somewhere, or you have a transport uh, system that is going to a, a shop near your home or a petrol station near your home. So there were, it was very interesting to develop that and, and to develop the service on, on, based on this way. So you see, crazy question. It will not arrive to the people who order, and maybe it's not so crazy as it looks at first sight. No? So it's very interesting. My, my advice would be make a list of what you think is really untouchable in your challenge or in your business and try to touch it. Then maybe 50% of that, you will check that it was really untouchable and maybe you lost five minutes. But some of them, you will find a way that maybe uh, was not in your mind and it will be a very good way to be more, more disruptive. Just make the, uh, the, uh, the, I tried also with yours, quality of seed. So now how to improve seed quality? It's about the quality of seed. So maybe you can work on other kind of quality, how to increase the quality of the service, or maybe not to improve the seed quality, maybe to improve the perception of quality, which is not the same at all. No, it's a totally different question. Uh, or, or instead of uh, uh, avoiding the bad quality, maybe how to give other users to the bad quality seed. That's another kind of questions. Maybe that was not in your in on the table, no? So you see, that's another one. So you have a lot of, of uh, tools. I recommend these, especially the one on the left, Stephen Shapiro, maybe you know him, is well known in the, in the in the US, he's probably the best specialist in reframing. And it's very, it's an easy book to read, a lot of uh, very good uh, tools, very easy to, um, to use, so I, I strongly recommend. And, but I explained far, far, you see, it's quite easy to do. So my recommendation would really be, not to jump into ID generation. Spend five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes to think about your problem, to look for new questions, and then you will optimize your ID generation and you will be more creative. And really it's worth the investment. Try it and you will see the return on investment in time quite uh, quickly. No, it's what George Wagensberg, the, the one I, I put now in the screen is, is a Spanish a scientist. And he said the change, the, uh, the answer is evolution. To change the question is revolution. And that's exactly an, an opinion I, I share from my experience in uh, in uh, innovation. So maybe I'll, I will I will stop sharing and we will have time Lourdes, for Q and A. Sounds great. 
this is the second and I've seen this, but it just never gets old. It's so good to see. So for our audience, what's your biggest takeaway from that presentation? And I always love that. To change, how did you say it? To change the question is, oh, to change the answer is evolution. And to change the question is revolution. And to change the question is revolution. So let's make this revolution get started. <laughs> My biggest takeaway from that, as always, is maybe the question is not the right question. I think I remember one of my mentors said before that um, interesting answers come from interesting questions, but maybe we change interesting to insightful. So I learned that too, like when we present to people sometimes when we wanted to share value, we want to tell them something that's obvious that the recipient may already know what it is, but it can become interesting. But what's more important is how can we make our questions more insightful? Sometimes it's difficult to do it from inside because it's like you're really inside of the problem. When you're inside of the forest, you don't see the forest, you just see the trees, no? So, uh, so that's why also I recommend to have diversity in your group when you look at the problem. And these, let's say, different those crazy questions are coming easy, easily from, from people not in, so involved in the problem. So it's also very important to have people only with common sense looking at the problem. Yeah, well, we have a question from the audience and I don't know, maybe you want to workshop this a little bit. So the question is from Mike. Do we know of any aquaculture innovation in particular communities? This one and the only industry where collaboration is necessary. From my experience, I'm not, I, I don't have a lot, a, a lot of knowledge about this sector, but Lourdes has for sure you saw it. I mean, you are very innovative, so I'm sure you have a lot of examples in your company. Well, it's interesting because actually Hatch That Blue actually just um, started their consulting services and they actually call it Hatch Innovation Services. And as you know, um, Hatch is actually one of the portfolio companies of Aquaspark. So they started this, um, I think, early this year where they were just doing that in terms of the innovation. So that's just one. And then there's a lot more, obviously. You saw that one of our sponsors is the Center for Seafood Innovation. So there's yeah. quite a bit. So, but I want to workshop it a little bit. So, how would you actually change that question, uh, Philip? What, which one? How to be more innovative there? Yeah, I, I would say you use these kind of uh, of tools and make a brainstorming. Spend fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, just to make a brainstorming. Try to find, I would say, twenty, thirty new questions in that, and then pick up two or three that are surprising for you, even if it seems a bit crazy at the first sight, and it will it will be easier. But the problem is when you innovate only with specialists around the table. So if you want to, to, to work about one top topic, even in, in your sector, you can have people from the sector, but not all specialists of that topic. And even maybe to pick up people from outside of aquaculture could be could be a, a good thing. That it will be easier for them. I see Simon saying more light on number three. I guess it's about the, the tool number three I said, no? about the company. So you remember what I said is pick up a company you know, just list things that you see this company is doing, and then use these things to integrate it into questions. So it's like to, to look at your problem through this filter. How would Apple see that? Well, Apple is making everything very visual. So I would put visual, how to make maybe uh, the seed quality more visual. That's the way it, it works. I don't know if it was your question, Simon, is it more light on number three? Then I see Sharad, no? Uh, the innovation head of Google once told me that what makes Google one of the best companies on the planet is the fact that Google's they celebrate failure. Do you agree? Yes, uh, but you have to learn how to fail. 
uh, I would say I agree if you fail quick and quick and cheap. If you if you fail after one year and ten million dollars, I would say uh, I would not celebrate it. Uh, so what you have to learn is to to be able to fail with what is called prototype, which is quick and and cheap experiment. Then you will you will have a lot of feedback from your failure. But because there will be a moment where to talk about the problem, your meeting room will be not very useful because it's just opinions. We have to try. So how to try quick and cheap to fail quick and cheap, improve quick and cheap, and try again. No, and and maybe you, you, if you Google the word prototype, you will see you will be surprised. That's for me another key success factor innovation to be able to develop these quick and 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 uh, cheap experiments, and then. I, I totally agree with you, Sharad. Uh, you have to fail a lot, but uh, learn how to fail. Otherwise, you will have some problems. I really like that, what you say. Make it small and cheap. And I think in our industry, that's one of the things sometimes when we get trigger happy, we want to go big scale right off, off the bat, commercialize quantity. And before we know it, we spend millions and millions of dollars and then it's hurting. Yeah, fake it before you make it. I mean, you have to make simulations. I, what I mean with so experiments, if you go, you will see a prototype, you will see a lot of fakes. So you can get a lot of feedback with things that are not working, just with simulations. And and false things, you can you can get a lot of feedback. We have can a question. Yeah. yeah. To advice if we experience repeated failures in aquaculture business, what do you mean by that? So I'm I'm just guessing what she's asking is what if it's over and over and over and it's interesting coming from this standpoint because I in the two plus years that I've been doing the podcast this is one thing that really honed on me of what the answer is to this question it's the three things that are challenges in aquaculture is how to produce or cultivate the product, how to make a profit. And the third one is how to help the surrounding ecology with the species. And so um, maybe you can give your take on this. Yeah, how, how to, to get profit, for example, is a very good example of a, of a question which is too generic. So I'm not saying this is not your, your, your point. Of course it is, no? But you cannot enter a brainstorming with such a question. So you have, what is it, a profit? Uh, is, how to make product A, uh, how to sell it uh, more expensive? Or how to reduce the cost of these specific things? Uh, how to give more uh, value to the consumer with that service? Uh, how to, but I mean, how to get more profit is too generic to uh, to to go into ID generation. That's a, an example of that. So we are not earning profits repeatedly in aqua business because of feed cost. So one would be how to reduce feed cost, but then reframe it, because I'm sure you've been thinking about feed cost a lot of a lot of times. So it's 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 a question that is burned in your mind. You have already a mindset of that. So what is reducing feed cost? No, and 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 then you make the reframe with that. And maybe you will find you will find a lot of questions that were already on your table for sure. But if you find three, four questions that are different, enter that this in, through these questions, and you will have new answers. Thank you, Philip. So maybe yeah. you can share with our audience in terms of how you actually got started into this, because I know you also have game a game. So share yeah. with us. So that's another another story. What what I did is, uh, as you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on innovation since 20 years, but seven years ago, we started to gamify methodologies because what we saw is that uh, gamification is a very good tool to be more innovative. Why? Because when you play, you let go. You forget to be careful, politically correct, uh, to be too uh, rational because you want to win. 
if there is a competition, I've seen even working with boards, very serious people, very difficult to make them say something crazy in a normal uh, workshop. You make them play, and after two minutes, they say crazy things because they maybe they got two points for it. No, that's so that was why we developed what we call binacles, uh, um, serious games, binacle games to innovate. And we have innovation games there that we're using in, in a lot of countries. And it, it's really surprising how people are more disruptive when they when they when they when they play and that, that's really, what i really like that i think more um, business people needs how to learn how to play i have a 13 turning 14 year old in two weeks and always playing yesterday we were having dinner and i said oh after the conference i'm a little bit tired so maybe just talk something funny because um my brain is a little bit fried and he said you know what else is fried and i guess i said what fried chicken <laughs> and always, <laughs> like, he just he's just a fun loving child so we have a question from andrew bet how can establish systems of aquaculture with increasing inherent risks climate change effects for instance be encouraged to trial innovative systems that may have different or perceived different risks but with potential far better outcomes my question when you see risk on when you are thinking about profit is don't put the risk or the money into the question so try to get new ideas. And when you have the ideas, then you say, okay, how can we make that profit profitable? How can we make that uh, uh, sustainable? Because if you put a lot of limits from the moment you look at your problem, I mean, you have no way to move. So I, I'm not saying profit is not important or sustainability is not important. I'm saying try to have an open mind. So look at your question, how to make blah, 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 and then don't put limits for the moment. moment. Once you have interesting idea, then you have to come back and say, okay, that's a good idea, but we need to make it profitable or to make it sustainable. But once you have the idea, because if you put the limit from the beginning, it will be difficult to have even to start with uh, new ideas on, on, on that. Uh, see, it's not easy to break even with these expect expensive feeds, uh, any advice. So it's it's more specific question for especially what, 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 I, what I would say, if you always think about how to reduce the cost of the feed, sometimes try to say, how could we with the same cost uh, sell uh, at a higher price? And, and you will say, no, on the market, it's not impossible. It's already too expensive. Uh, I, can, I can tell you that uh, with this question that looks crazy in some markets, we, we, we did it. They said it was, it, it was impossible. It was all, all, all only about reducing the cost to sell uh, cheaper. And they were only with that mindset. I say, we will try. I, I don't know if we will find an answer, but how to sell uh, more expensive? What should we do? And, and, and I remember with uh, even FMCG product, that was quite difficult to improve the cost, uh, the, the, sorry, the, to in, uh, increase the cost, uh, to increase the price. What we did is how to sell our product two times more expensive. So the sales force were there. They were saying, this guy is crazy. Then, then they said, I maybe, but let's try. And we, we found some ideas. So go sometimes through the other side and see what is what is behind the other door. Yeah, we have another question from Sharad. In the new, in the new creator economy, is return on engagement more important than return on investment? Uh, I mean, the, the investment, if you have investor, you can never forget that. But I would say if, uh, maybe the you work first on the engage, engagement and then you will have maybe a better return on your investment. Uh, because if you look from the beginning only at cost and numbers, um, maybe you have you put limits all over. So I would say uh, engagement is okay, but I mean, probably at the end of the of the month, your investor will say, okay, engagement is very good, but what is the return and why, where is the money? No, 
So I, I would not forget it. Maybe, I, but I think without engagement, we will not have profit. Correct. I, I tend, I, I always think about, um, I mentioned yesterday, I went to some micro schools and this is one thing that really drive home to me was value cycle. You create your followers where you give value, where you get engagement that turns into community that become your prospects, that become your clients and became your raving fans. So all of them are important because it's a, a roadmap. And here's another question from Luis Morimano. Ever thought of using oxygen nanobubbles to improve food to weight ratio in seafood? So uh, maybe you can answer better than me on that because that's quite technical there, the nanobubbles. Yeah, very technical question, but maybe a better question would be what technology yeah. is already in the marketplace that's already done this? So that's how I would reframe the question. Okay. What do you think? So give us your feedback on that. Um, for the person who asked the question. So Edna was talking about FCR is one of the in indicators in profitability. It's feed-related issue. Unless we do and enter into fish processing by establishing fish processing facilities, again, value-added products really needed. So this seems to be really um, honing in on you, Edna, on what you already need to do. What I also like about your, your process, Philip, is I think it's more like a co coaching question, right? So people has a tendency, and this is what driving home to me about our conversation today with this topic on innovation. People always think that they have an expectation that someone can give them the answer to their question. But when you have the coaching question, and you were talking about questions became, changing the question became revolutionary is when you drive home the answers within to the person asking the question so i that's think that's exactly what is doing a good a good a good uh, uh, coach is uh, helping you to find the good questions and to have a new vision on the problem you have but even when you have a personal problem with friends when you're talking about it what are your friends doing what are they helping giving solutions no they're helping uh, helping you to have a new vision of the problem you have and then the solution you 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 will find the solution with, but with a new vision I see something from Enoch that is interesting about startups. And um, it's through the startups, a lot of startups, they have an idea. What I say, an idea looking for a problem. So it's a solution without problem. Uh, because sometimes you say, I have a good idea. I would do that, that, and that. Okay, but what is the problem you want to solve? Otherwise, you have a good idea that will not be relevant. So I see a lot of startups starting from the idea and developing the idea instead of looking first what is the problem what they want to solve with their idea and it, it will help them uh, to have a reason to sell the product and also to 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 have the right focus on their product later otherwise they will, they will develop maybe a, a solution that has no problem no? and it's happening to a lot of startups a lot yeah i heard someone actually one of my mentors actually even said that i think sometimes the startups when they go to the business they have an expectations that they're going to make money right off the bat but it's interesting because when you reverse that question how many tech startups started even after the pandemic who doesn't have any revenue who didn't have maybe didn't even have a business plan and ended up having very high valuations and got sold for very high amount of money uh, also, the same problem with technology. You know, sometimes I'm, I even in in our sector, some some clients are coming. I, I want to uh, to uh, be innovative with technology. I don't know artificial intelligence. No, or with ChatGPT. Uh, how could we innovate with that? I said that's not a good question. I mean, that's not the objective. Maybe it will help you to innovate with something. But let's try first to see what you want to do, and then 
how chat gpt could help you maybe or another technology whatever no uh, but but the, the objective is not to use it the objective is not the technology so you you should find a good reason a good problem and then technology can help to solve the problem but technology is not the question very good point because we were talking yesterday about society 5.0 that one of the trends number three yesterday about how to be in this new society everybody has to be high tech and high touch so it's not one way or another it has to be both because you still need always that interaction between human and between robots if i may have to call it that so if you're using chat gpt as you know if your prompt is not an intelligent question it will probably just give you a roundabout answer or that you can already find online. It's not revolutionary. I mentioned yesterday when I was sharing the top 10 trends, when I asked ChatGPT, what are the top future trends for sustainable aquaculture? If you are a combination of Albert Einstein, um, David Suzuki, um, Amy Novogratz, so maybe even just all these brilliant minds get together. So it will have a very different answer compared if you just ask ChatGPT, what are the future trends? Exactly. I did it with, I, I used it for, for reframing. How would Einstein ask this question? These kind of things. But the objective is not to use ChatGPT. The objective is to have new questions and maybe ChatGPT can, can help you. So it's, that's the way you have to look at technology. Very good, very good. So is there any more questions? We got two minutes for Philip and then we're gonna go into a little bit of interaction and but drop your questions for philip because um this is really rare that um, we get to have him one-on-one -on -one. it's really good um so if you have any more questions well if you're not then i'm going to ask him a little one last question philip before you go so what about in terms of if you're stuck with what questions to ask yeah which how, how to pick up a good question no you know what try Try an error. Just, just try with that question. If, if after five minutes you don't have any idea, that's not a good question and pick up another one. I mean, that's another way. I mean, sometimes people are so rational that they want to make an Excel to define the criteria to what is the good uh, question. It, it's sometimes the same with an idea. Which idea is the best one? I mean, try first and you will know it. If you can try quick and fast, you don't have to decide first from uh, a PowerPoint presentation what will be the good idea. You don't know. You have to try. So uh, innovation is le uh, talk less and try more. Yeah, really good. Oh, I think we have one more question here or two um, from Andrew Bett. Do you find that innovative ideas or systems are too often challenged by resistance to change or to try something new? Yes, of course. That's fear is a big problem in innovation uh, or, or politics is if it's a big company, but it's the same. No, it's a, uh, the, what happens if it fails? So that, that's why it's so important what I said before. If you fail uh, controlling the risk, fee, cheap and quick, you will have no problem with the profit or, or, or with your boss. So yeah, people are, uh, are not afraid when they know they have a system to try and fail very easily to get a lot of feedback because then even your boss, even if, uh, if, if it's conservative, will say, okay, uh, try and then talk about it. And then it's, that's the big difference because you are already on the move. Instead of how should we try? It's very risky. No, no, no. Try cheap and quick, and then there is no problem. So the the, the fear it's it's the, uh, the 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 first problem, of course. Uh, and if it doesn't work, and you know, I have a bad news there. I mean, the probability of very new ID is working uh, uh, from scratch is is very low. So it yeah. should not work uh, perfectly from the first not the first trial. So it's normal. You have to improve it. So. 
try put put the failure into the process instead instead of avoiding the 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 failure of the mistake try to gen to to manage the mistake not to avoid it which is very different accept you will have a mistake but the mistake will not have consequence because you will try quick quick and, and cheap then mistake will not be a problem and probably a lot of resistance will will go down Sounds good. And this just reminded me while we're wrapping up the importance of people around you, because the quality of your questions will all also affect because of the people that are with you. And the last thing is, can you imagine if as babies, we don't fall when we learn to walk? <laughs> we'll probably not be able to learn to walk if we didn't end up falling. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Appreciate you here. And we'll thank see you. you in A pleasure. Thank you. A pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you, Philip. So drop on the chat what's your biggest takeaway from that conversation. And we're also going to have a poll. So I'd like to bring you back, Sharad. So I think we're going to have one question. Here you can see the poll. What was the biggest aha or realization from Philip's session? So um, let's see what... I have not been solving the right problem. The challenge has been too generic. I need to open new ways to solve my challenge. So what do you think is who's going to win? I really like this conversation and I can never have enough conversation with Philip every time that I have I have him on the platform because it makes us think differently, especially in the aquaculture industry. We've always like have new set of ways on how we do things and rightfully so, because we have to be methodical with what we're doing. And so that's one thing that I always kind of remind myself, how can I come from a different perspective? And that's probably also the reason why I ended up launching the podcast was because I didn't ask, oh, there's already a lot of this information out there. So how can I make contribute value but it ended up to be a good choice so for all of the listeners today and all of you who are here today I think congratulations for being here and again I was saying yesterday 80% of success is showing up because you wanted to learn and try new ways on how we can improve the industry and obviously as a community we are stronger compared to if we're just uh, a one person so I mentioned like surround yourself with people who can ask better questions because that in itself will give you floodgates to different ways of asking your question. So I think we have a little bit more time to answer the poll. So cast your vote. The biggest aha or realization from Philip's session today is it not being able to solve the right problem the challenge has been too generic and so far we have a leading i need to open new ways to solve my challenge at 67% right now so we put this polls um for 3 minutes mark and so if you haven't cast your vote yet please do so um we're always um happy to know the feedback after um, a presentation so um but we have our, also our next speaker here and the next speaker is somebody I actually haven't met him in person too. So Miguel Nudsen from Aquaspark is one of the deal flow manager. And I met him only by communication from Amy Novogratz and from Una of Aquaspark. So I'm so delighted you're here today. Welcome to the show, Miguel. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having uh, me and having Aquaspark. Let me just quickly uh, share my screen. Uh, if that's okay. Uh, and then... Okay. I hope that's working. Um, yeah. And yeah. I'm so you're here, but but if I read your bio before, you like dancing, so. <laughs> 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 yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, I come from Cali, Colombia, and uh, salsa is definitely part of the culture where I come from. So uh, everybody learns to dance a little bit and, and we definitely enjoy it. So, yeah, that is, that is true. Sounds very good. Well, I can't wait to visit and meet you in person and then you can teach us some moves. So take it away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Well, like I said again, um, thank you for having Aquaspark today. It's really a pleasure to be here with all of you. Um, for those that don't know me, which is probably everybody, uh, my name is Miguel Knudsen and I'm a deal flow manager at Aquaspark. Um, I come from Colombia and I have a background in aquaculture, engineering and investing. And I've been lucky enough to uh, that my role at Aquaspark allows me to combine these disciplines. So today I'm going to, I'm going to be telling you why the future of investing in aquaculture is sustainable. Um, I hope that it's no secret to all of you that the health of our oceans ecosystems has experienced serious decline. 29% of fish stocks are class classified as overfished and an additional 61% are classified as fully exploited. Uh, about one in four species of sharks, rays and skates is now threatened with extinction, primarily due to overfishing. And some of these are keystone species. That means that without them, ecosystems change or even disappear. Marine vertebrate populations have declined over 40% since 1970. Uh, so in less, that's, that is in less than a lifetime. That means that my children will not be able to see and experience the vibrant and resilient ocean ecosystems I had the privilege to see and experience myself growing up in Colombia. This is a serious threat, not only to our oceans, but it is also a food security risk, given that over 3 billion people rely on seafood as a major source of protein. In addition, the human population is still set to peak by the end of the century at 11 billion. So we need to figure out how to feed 3 billion more people without getting our planet's ecosystems beyond their tipping point. And the problem is that the demand for animal protein is not slowing down because we have an ever-growing middle class and rising disposable income. And this is especially true in Africa and Asia, where it is not uncommon to also find high per capita seafood consumption. The problem is that terrestrial animal protein takes additional resources and land and generates higher emissions compared to pr protein coming from aquaculture. So we need to find better alternatives. And we believe that aquaculture can be one of them. And we think that if done right, it will contribute to our overarching goal of serving our oceans. And that is our overarching goal at Aquaspark. And that is why we do what we do. But I don't have to convince anyone, everybody here, uh, because you all know that fish are healthy, accessible, and resource-efficient protein source. But how do we harness the potential of this protein without further burdening, burdening the planet's uh, delicate ecosystems? Although these challenges are daunting, um, they also reveal major opportunities for increased efficiencies and innovation, a part of what we call now the blue economy. In the next few minutes, I'm going to share more about how we, as a rapidly growing global fund, see the future of aquaculture unfolding and what is needed to steward its transformation from a systems-minded perspective. But first, let me tell you quickly 
uh, and go back quickly to how it all started. Almost 10 years ago, Aquaspark was founded by Mike Felings and Amy Novogratz in Utrecht, the Netherlands. They saw the potential to use capital as a lever for systems change across the aquaculture value chain with the aim to end overfishing practices and be part of the movement to restore ocean health. They saw enormous emerging potential at the crossroads of a global population growing towards a peak of 11 billion and increased global demand for animal protein and, spe and specifically for seafood, underemployment and operational inefficiencies in regions that could support thriving aquaculture businesses and underinvestment in sustainable aquaculture that could bridge the gap between what fisheries could provide, what could be justly and sustainably supported and what consumers demand. Today, Aquaspark is joined by several like-minded co-investors and a growing number of ambitious innovators and industry leaders and experts like yourselves, all of whom believe that aquaculture in concert with alternative seafood proteins offer the best answer to meet protein demands while relieving pressure off of our oceans and the species that call them home. Investment in this space at large is growing at a fast pace as it is investment in our fund. We went from raising 6.9 million euros in 2015 to having 123 million in assets under management by the start of 2020. And we are now hitting the 500 million mark. And there are certainly new investors coming into the space, which is extremely positive uh, for the industry. So investors are seeing the opportunity to create efficiencies in aquaculture practices, while at the same time, raising the bar in terms of sustainability um, and our investors know that um, today and in the future, a good return on investment is uh, predicated on disruptive business models rooted in innovative and sustainable practices. So what needs to change? First, well, we need a lot of money, but well, who doesn't? But we need even more. We need scale. Um, well, what is money at the end of the day? It's a resource that we are using to accelerate change and of course, generate attractive returns to our investors. So how exactly do we want to create change? What exactly could just and sustainable aquaculture look like across the value chain? Over the past years, Aquaspark has, has worked hard to clearly identify the key outcomes that we would want to see as a result of industry transformation. These outcomes serve as a North Star for our investment team and our ecosystem as a whole. And they are the basis for the framework that underpins our investment thesis as well as our efforts to steward industry adoption. These outcomes are eliminate industry dependence on wild caught fish for feed and broodstock, improve env uh, the environmental footprint of aquaculture, reduce pollution, increase valorization of under underutilized resources, embrace diversity in aquaculture, increase production and consumption of healthy seafood to improve health and nutrition, make aquaculture antibiotic free, improve animal welfare, increase transparency and traceability within the supply chain, increase access to aligned finance uh, for farmers, improve smallholders profitability through better access to sustainable practices and technology. So these are the outcomes that we want to achieve. If we can agree that this is largely an ideal future for the state of the industry, how do we get there? We see three integrated pathways of effort. First, we need long-term equity capital. As I mentioned before, Aquaspark is joined by many co-investors, but now is the time for more institutional investors to get on board. The pipeline of experienced, ambitious innovators is only growing, but capital alone isn't enough. 
We need to broker synergies between enterprises and industry and encourage cooperation. At Aquaspark, we do this in two main ways. One is by doing a lot of formal community building, which enables knowledge and resource sharing between our portfolio companies and our, lar and, and our large network of experts. And the other is asking all our portfolio companies to support each other through a formal cooperation agreement. Ideally, uh, alternative and sustainable feeding green companies in our portfolio would be able to offer guaranteed supply of their products to a portfolio feed company at the most favorable market rate. In turn, the portfolio feed company would then offer portfolio farms a guaranteed supply of their sustainable feed at the most favorable market rate to our farms. And we can apply the same logic for the entire supply chain. This way, we foment synergies within our portfolio while we spur industry adoption and change making a push to bring the state of the seafood ecosystem beyond its tipping point from unsustainable towards sustainable, which in turn pushes the state of our oceans ecosystems back towards their natural equilibrium. And that is how we together drive change. In addition, spurring industry adoption and shifting consumer mindsets is perhaps the most important area of our work and where we believe the entire industry can play a significant role. If leaders in the industry associations or seafood buyers don't believe in this sustainable transition, then it will not happen as quickly as we need it to happen. And the same goes for consumers, who at times believe that fish farms are bad or all fish farms are bad. Aquaculture is not inherently good or bad. Like anything, at the end of the day, it comes down to how you do it. If we cannot pass this message to consumers, then we will have a very tough time building up the demand that's needed to shift the entire ecosystem. Although we engage in all three of the aforementioned pathways, we are primarily a global fund. So the majority of our time is spent seeking out outstanding entrepreneurs who are revolutionizing aquaculture, raising the bar in terms of sustainability and innovation, and who we share our vision uh, for a transformed industry. We invest across the entire value chain with the aim to make the industry more healthy, affordable, and sustainable. The specific solutions we invest in usually fall within one of the following six categories, which link to the impact outcomes I shared earlier. So one is genetics, so breeding technologies that enhance seed quality, health and disease, so technologies that reduce the impact of disease without resorting to antibiotics and improve welfare, alternative feed ingredients that, that result in less or no dependency on wild-caught fish for feed and potentially eliminate reliance on soy, digital production technologies and platforms that improve management practices, resource efficiency, and product traceability, pioneering farms, feed mills, hatcheries, and novel ways to produce sustainable seafood alternatives. And lastly, we also look for consumer products and, dis and distribution channels that help meet and drive demand for sustainable seafood sourced from aquaculture. So now you know what we do, how we do it, and most importantly, why we do it. But I want to give you a little bit more color on how we invest. First of all, the companies that we invest in do not need to be perfect already. What's important is that the team needs to share our deep dedication to changing an industry and product market fit, of course. But at the end of the day, we need to be deeply convinced that what we invest in is raising the bar in terms of innovation and sustain sustainability for the industry. And in this way, disrupt markets. We definitely like to build relationships with founders early on and understand what drives them as well as their vision because we are a long-term partner that's not looking for quick exits. So in that sense, we're different than traditional venture capital or private equity. 
We're also a Series A investor who sometimes invests earlier for high potential opportunities. Our average ticket size is three to five million euros. Uh, and we are a lead investor and like to have a board seat in the companies that we invest in. But we are very much open to collating with like-minded investors. So why should you take your money uh, or take money from Aquaspark? How are we different? Like I said before, we're a long-term partner. Once we commit, we're in it for, for the long haul. And that is enabled by the fact that we're an evergreen fund. That means that we have an open-ended structure. And that allows us to constantly raise capital to bring in new companies to our portfolio and support existing portfolio companies with follow-on investments without having to rush for quick exits. Instead, our vision is to, is to distribute returns to our LPs via dividends from our ambition portfolio of 60 to 80 companies that spans the entire supply chain. In addition, um, we foment synergies and cooperation among our portfolio companies with a signed cooperation agreement and communication exchanges. While at the same time, we have a deep and broad network within the industry that can add value in many different ways, whether it is accelerating go-to-market or product development or finding key hires. Finally, within Aquaspark, we have a team of dedicated portfolio managers that spend part of their time supporting each of their assigned portfolio companies. We know the struggles that founders face, and when the time is right, we will be there to support you. Now, you might be wondering, how does that look like? So let me give you some examples of how aquaculture can look like when, when impact is aligned. The vast majority of aquaculture is happening in Asia, which means that the majority of, of the people working in aquaculture are also in Asia. And many of these are smallholder farm, farmers who are, at the core, who are at the core of what e-fishery does. Founded in Indonesia, e-fishery has created a digital platform that provides efficiency in feeding and access to finance for smallholder farmers, ensuring their livelihoods are improved. We're very proud to be one of their earliest investors. What's more, e-fishery is the aquaculture industry's first unicorn, having reached a valuation over $1 billion this past spring. A company like e-fishery is proof that comparable returns for investors can, can go hand in hand with making the value chain more sustainable and more just for the people who work within it. The work of the enterprises like these ones have proven that humans can grow fish in a healthy footprint friendly way but the but to achieve the scale necessary for transformation more of the industry must adopt, adopt digitization sustainable feed production and process improvements plus modern methods to battle disease water quality monitoring and other innovations now as you probably know feed costs can account for up to 80 percent of the costs in fish farming um, and it is also the source of a great deal of the industry's footprint. So we need to find more sustainable feed ingredients. First, we were on a quest to find uh, suitable alternatives to fish meal protein. Now we're thinking, well, what's next? And the answer to that is soy replacement. Up to now, plant protein has been one of the answers to find cheaper, more sustainable feed ingredients. Now, leaving aside issues with anti-nutritional factors and inflammatory responses associated with plant ingredients, we need to find alternatives to soy protein concentrate that is associated with deforestation. And we believe that some of the answers will be found in fungi. That is why we've decided to invest in Enifrobio, a company transforming side streams into future-proof protein with their proprietary industrial process to produce fungi protein. So as I've said before, what we're trying to create is an ecosystem where the protein produced by Enifrobio would be included in the feed used by Natorca. 
Matorka is an Arctic char farm in Iceland, which we have supported with three follow-on investments since our first close with them in 2016. Their production is fully integrated with the natural ecosystem by sourcing water from precipitation and snowmelt and using 100% geothermal energy for heating. In addition, they rely on their own spawner population, so they have eliminated their reliance from wild resources while promoting diversity in aquaculture species. And finally, Matorka's fish are fully traceable, so consumers know exactly where their food is coming from and how it was produced. So these were just three examples out of our portfolio. We currently have 26 companies in this portfolio, and our ambition is to grow this to 60 to 80 companies across the supply chain, like I said before. At this scale, we hope to unlock significant synergies and a critical mass that allows us to move the industry in the right direction. However, we cannot do this alone. Our portfolio companies will need different resources, knowledge, and capital to scale in the best way possible. And we aim to bring all of this through the ecosystem that we are nurturing. So if we can agree to a shared vision for a better aquaculture and aquaculture industry, if we can move in an aligned way to make it more accessible, more affordable, and more sustainable, fish will be better off, humankind will be better off, and our oceans and planet may be able to regenerate. The time for investment is now. So if you're an entrepreneur seeking investment, we would of course love to hear from you. You can submit your pitch deck to us via the email on the uh, email, email address on the slide, so deals at Aquaspark. And if you're an investor seeking impact and comparable returns, you can also, we would also love to hear from you, of course, and you can contact us uh, via the email address on the screen. Um, so with this, uh, I'll finish uh, my talk today. Thank you very much. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you very much, Miguel. So I wanted to um, tell the audience that we're going to do a different uh, format today with Miguel. So um, you've seen our format yesterday. We have a pres presentation, then we do like a podcast interview style. Today, we're going to do both. So Miguel just presentation and then are going to do the questions and then we'll collate some of the questions that you guys have. So um, Miguel, maybe you can tell us that when there's an aquaculture project, how do you prioritize and demonstrate a commitment to environmental sustainability? I know you mentioned some of this in your presentation, but maybe you can provide us some examples of practices or technologies that minimize harm to marine ecosystems. Yeah, I mean, of, of course, there's there's different ways to do this. Uh, I mean, for example, with e-fishery, we see that they've created technology that allows the industry to use less feed uh, to produce superior results, so better farm performance, better shrimp performance with less feed. So that means that the whole industry is using less resources. And in that way, uh, we mitigate potential additional nutrient runoff into the environment, which could potentially uh, transform our ecosystems, right? If you, if you have a discharge of, of, of phosphorus and nitrogen, for example, um, at the end of the day, if that comes from humans, that, that is pollution and that could tip, tip our ecosystems out of balance uh, because that could uh, create all sorts of problems like uh, eutrophication or it could alter uh, the benthic environment, for example. Uh, and those are, of course, things that, that, um, that we want to avoid, right? Um, that, that, yeah, that would be one, one example. Thank you. And I also like when you shared, um, so when the audience sees me, I'm doing like this because I make some notes while you're talking and I'm doing like this, I'm typing some notes too. So I like that you have like e-fishery obviously make great stride being the first unicorn aquaculture company. That's such a big, remarkable achievement. 
of that this Indonesian company did. But you also had Inifer Bio from Finland and Matorka from from Iceland. So what are some of the projected financial returns on investment for sustainable aquaculture ventures that you guys support and how does it align with ethical and environmental values? Maybe you can elaborate on the project's approach to ensuring equitable benefits for local communities or maintaining a balance between profitability and responsible resource management. Yeah. So, um, of course, we have a responsibility towards our, our investors. Uh, so that's why we, we want to guarantee comparable returns. Uh, and that means that uh, we aim for a target of 20% uh, return on investment. Uh, that, that's, that's what we aim for. Uh, in terms of uh, the societal aspect, um, there's, of course, I mean, so, so taking a step back, for, first of all, um, not all investments that we make kind of fulfill all of our impact goals, right? I, ideally, all of them would, and and and, and but but you know, um, that's that's not always the case. Uh, but but with some, uh, and and using e-fishery as an example as well, e-fishery is also trying to make the supply chain more more equitable or more just um, by basically uh, providing better terms uh, for for farmers uh, at times, right? Like because they're providing inputs, but they're also uh, offtaking uh, their produce at potentially better terms. But also, uh, they've they've provided uh, they're they're generating a way to provide uh, access to finance to to a underfinance or or, or or a group that has not received financing before, right? So if farmers are facing a struggle for them, it, it's hard to uh, whether that. Um, under good uh, good uh, conditions, right? On under good uh, terms uh, of financing, right? If they have, if if prices are low, then how do they deal with that? Or if they require a loan because maybe they lost a, a crop or something like that, well, sometimes they just they just can't do that. Um, so so we think that they are creating a way uh, for farmers to have access to to better financing. Very good. It's good to know that. And also, I was thinking along the lines of when you were mentioning about collaboration and adaptive management, I always tell people, we discussed yesterday one of the trends to be Society 5.0. And in the sustainable business 5.0 model I have, I was thinking about, you know, that's leadership, partnership, and stewardship. So how does aquaculture projects engage in collaborative efforts with local communities, regulatory bodies, and environmental organizations to continuously improve sustainability practices and adapt to change? circumstances yeah um so of course at aquaspark we we try to drive this uh this change right uh and and that's why we have a director of partnerships uh who's dedicated to kind of uh accelerate uh, industry adoption of, of of sustainable solutions right uh and and is trying to kind of get together stakeholders to accelerate uh this this uh this adoption basically that's that's what we try to do uh from from aquaspark uh to also support our portfolio companies uh you know uh putting their solutions uh on the market uh but also for the industry to to adopt certain uh, practices or or to um yeah just trade seafood that that's more sustainable basically perfect and so maybe you can share with our audience, are there mechanisms in place for transparent reporting and accountability in terms of both environmental and economic performance? Yeah, so so of course, that's that's something that that, that we've been working on. Uh, we, we do have uh, impact uh, KPIs that, that our portfolio companies report to us. Uh, and that's that's what we're trying to create. It's it's a a framework under which uh, our portfolio companies can report to us uh, the impact KPIs that we require from them, 
uh, in the best way possible. And 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 yeah, uh, I, I think it, whether there is a mechanism to ensure like complete, transparent, and 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 and, and true reporting. I mean. I think with any reporting mechanism, you you, you can go around it, right? Uh, but ideally, we also trust that we support the right people who are honest about, you know, uh, the way they work and and what they do with us. But we also do our homework and 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 do our best to uh, to support them and and just have a good relationship so that we can uh, trust what they report to us. Um, I think I think there is a need for a traceability or, or more traceability within the, the seafood supply chain. Uh, we of course want to support these type of initiatives in, in different ways, whether it's uh, partnering them, partnering up with them uh, uh, with an investment or just with with a with a you know a partnership through our uh, partnerships department uh, to say it like that, uh, or also to to see how we can accelerate uh, the adoption of these solutions by our portfolio companies, for example, and just little by little uh, we work on this industry transformation uh, until it becomes the norm, right? Until until the whole ecosystem is beyond the tipping point where these things are the norm right uh, which which we're not there yet perhaps but but we hope to be there one day and that's that's part of our, our goal amazing so i'm gonna move a little bit in terms of um right brain question because there's a lot of left left brain information that we gave so maybe you can tell us and then i'm gonna move to some of the audience question um how did you get into the industry and what is your history behind your journey that make you work with aquaspark um yeah, so I I watched the the I watched Mike Felling's uh, TED talk uh, quite a few years ago. I, th I think a lot of people, probably a lot of people in the audience, uh, did that as well. I thought like, wow, this this is amazing. Like it could be amazing to work at this place uh, once. Uh, but but that was already years ago, and uh, I was I was always drawn into aquaculture from I think when I was in my teenage years because I wanted to be a biologist. Uh, but but my dad is a very entrepreneurial person. He was like, well, what are you going to do as a biologist? You know, like, how are you going to make a living? What are you going to do? You're just going to study things. I think biology is amazing and, and I like it. But 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 I sort of had that influence from from my family, from my dad. Um, and I thought, well, I got to know about aquaculture. I thought, well, maybe here you, you, you make some biology with, with business could be something for me one day. Uh, and that's how I got to know the industry. Uh, and I then then I did other things. Uh, and at some point I thought, well, I, I want to do a master's in, in aquaculture and see uh, see how that is and, and learn more about it and go into the industry. And that's what I did. Um, and after I finished my master's, uh, yeah, there was no vacancy at Aquaspark available. But I did have some contacts with them and they had a vacancy But uh, before I finished my master's, but that, that didn't work out. And I just kept my eye uh, on Aquaspark because I was I was also living in the Netherlands then. That's where I did my master's. Uh, although the vacancy was open and I applied and uh, that's how I got to Aquaspark. Yeah. Very good. So we have some questions in the audience, nothing that you can answer. So I think we have one from Mike Wilson talking about, do you have any investments from um, Latin America or Canada for that matter? Uh, we have invested in Latin America. Uh, we, we invested in a tilapia farm in Brazil uh, called Fisher. Uh, we, of course, have investments in Canada. We invested in Expert C. Uh, we, I would, I would personally love to uh, have more more portfolio companies coming from Latin America, as, as I come from from South America, from Colombia. Uh, I've been talking to a few people. Uh, there's there's definitely very exciting stuff happening uh, in, in Latin America. We always feel that. 
we can do so many things, right? But but sometimes the content goes a little bit uh, unnoticed uh, for for whatever reason. So so trying to put these initiatives on the map is, is of course something something I like. Uh, yeah. Thank you. So I think we have one more from the audience. I'm just going to scroll my my chat here, and I don't know if you're seeing it too. So um, Mike Wilson was just talking about it's great to see how Aqua Sparks openness to creative investment methods in an industry. We definitely need it, and we agree. So um, one of the other questions is, is there an investment in Uganda fish clusters like access to good quality fish seeds and fish feeds and better technology and value addition in farm fish? This is from Simon Kamanya. Yeah. So, um, so we have a actually so at Aquaspark we invest globally from our main fund, but we have a separate fund dedicated to Africa, uh, and we know that inputs like quality inputs and and access uh, reliable access to inputs is a pain point for African aquaculture. So so we're definitely working on that. Uh, yeah. Sounds good. And the, is there an R&D business with patented aquaculture innovations for primary production salmon farming? We wonder if there's indeed room for a con company like Aquaspark to invest at an early stage with a smaller ticket. This was from Andrew Beck. Um, I mean, usually we're, we're a typical Series A investor, uh, right? So so we have certain criteria. Uh, we, we, we like to see a commercial traction, right? Some sales. But of course, uh, we're open. We're we're open. As a matter of fact, we've have made earlier uh, stage investments before, so we're of course uh, uh, open for that. Uh, yeah, in principle, it would be possible. Yeah, I really like what you're saying. I think the main idea here, if there's one thing our audience can take away, that even though Aquaspark has really helped a lot of companies and most recently eFishery um, being a unicorn aquaculture company now, is your openness. That's one thing that's why I think that I was so drawn when I first interviewed Amy um, in the podcast was because it's so easy to actually uh, build a relationship with Aquaspark, even though I think you're one of the trail trailblazers in the industry. You look at the small farmers, you look at, I wouldn't call it small to medium businesses, but people who share the same vision. And I was talking about this, about community, wherein people who share the same values and beliefs, you can you will always have alignment with these people. So thank you again for Aquaspark for being able to do this because you guys are so approachable. It's so amazing. Sometimes people, think because you are up there that it's hard to reach so yes you will have um the copy of Miguel's presentation and just to continue on some of the questions i have here so um i think i had one from lindsay and talking about can aquaspark do debt financing to an aquatic plant grower to help drive efficiencies to companies in the aquaculture industry because they meet the 20 percent roi or even on a convertible note um, okay, so may maybe this is something uh, I I did not mention during the presentation, but but we are an equity investor, so we don't do uh, debt investments. Um, yeah, sounds good, and I like that it's clear, right? So people know what your. It's nice to have clarity in your purpose and in your mission. So for Lindsay, the question maybe I will reframe a little bit of. Um, were you there? Were there talks that you're going to dilute your equity? That's why you're only looking at a convertible note. Because um, I had also some people ask me these questions before on the podcast, and my take would be: um, Would you love to be part of a billion-dollar company, and you have one percent, or you have a hundred percent of a ten million company? So there's perspective, right? Yeah. So 
understand. But also, I, I feel like so so the reason why why we don't do that is because we think that we can add much more value being an equity investor, right? Like having a seat at the table and and being part of a, the entrepreneur's journey from a more intimate way. I think it's definitely definitely more aligned with what we want to achieve. Um, yeah. Very good, very good answer because it this again this is not transactional. We all yeah. wanted we have to have that relationship and and yeah. look. And I can see that too in some of the transactions that I have with some people that you kind of sometimes feel that you're not in alignment if it there's only like a transactional way of doing things. We'd like to be in a very much in a position wherein this is not a one-time thing. I keep on telling this since day one yesterday. This is like a community. This is like a sustainability in its very essence of the word is we'll make 300-year plans that at the end of it all, our legacy, and I mentioned that you have the recording now of Lee Brower's talk on live the legacy. This is about people and community. So thanks again for bringing that up, Miguel. So I have another questions question from Pragati. Um, how do you scale up the products in market focus on incorporating fish protein concentrate with widely daily eaten food like noodles, biscuits, cheapest, which increases protein value of these products? I'm not exactly sure I understand that question. So um, maybe Pragati, you can <laughs> tell us what you mean by that. Um, let me see if I can see more questions here. Um, oh, I think he... Oh, here, Edna was talking about genetic improvements, breeding of freshwater species need an investment to improve performance, growth and survival, as well as other important economic traits. I would like to ask advice on this. Do you have some advice on this, Miguel? Um, well, I would say that, that genetics is definitely key to making the industry more sustainable, right? Um, I, I was at Aquanor recently, and, and there was a... a, a there was a talk on uh, genetic improvement from salmon and, and and how that has improved salmon performance and and what they could measure so far was only the effect of of one of the two parents of, of the salmon and that was about one and a half kilos of extra weight that salmon are being be, are being able to put on um yeah just just from improved genetics right so basically you get more output with with the same or less resources potentially or you can get more uh, more uh, resistance to to uh, pathogens right uh so it's definitely something that's worth worth investing in um uh, yeah but but of course uh something it's not always uh, easy to find uh, the right opportunity perfect and we have one from nick and his question is, are investors interested in working with marine ornamental fish breeding facilities? Their goal is to reduce re collection of fish from the oceans for the aquarium industry. Do you know? Um, I mean, I, I, I like the idea of it, uh, of course, uh, but I think that that would uh, not be for us. We're more focused on food. Thank you, Miguel. And so I'm going to dive down now in a little bit of... Um, I like when you were mentioning about being an aquaculture engineer because I myself didn't know that this exists. So, what does an aquaculture engineer actually do? So, I, I'm not a, actually I'm not an aquaculture engineer. I, I did I studied biomedical engineering and then I studied aquaculture, uh, and then that that's that's kind of like a, a, a different thing. Um, so, a biomedical engineering is kind of like a its own mix of different things. Uh, it combines a little bit of uh, biology and sort of physiology, uh, more of like biological sciences with engineering principles to find solutions uh, to medical problems, basically, or biological problems. 
uh, and then on on the aquaculture side of things, uh, there was definitely a, a big emphasis on uh, uh, on on nutrition, for example. That's that's and and, and of course, nutrition is, is a big part of the industry, and, and that's that's understandable. Uh, and the other part is system design. Uh, so that would perhaps go a little bit more into the engineering side of things. So how do you, what is a recirculation system? What type of production systems are there? Um, yeah, what are the design principles behind them and how does, how does that work? And that of course has some engineering and some biology uh, behind it, yeah. Thank you for sharing that because it's always interesting to me how, you know, a combination of finance and a combination of the technical aspect of things, because there's a lot of sciences slash innovation slash R&D that's involved in the whole ecosystem of um, aquaculture. And so I like what you were saying. And when you're talking about being an evergreen fund, so maybe you can dig a little bit more on that on when you say evergreen fund i know that in the events industry evergreen means you work once and you get paid over and over because it works you can repurpose the content so in, from the standpoint of a fund uh, maybe you can dwell more on that yeah so basically that means that that we constantly raise capital uh to invest from the same uh, vehicle uh yeah on, on on companies that that will be part of our portfolio right uh as of in, instead of uh raising raising uh one fund and then raising fund two and and so on to and and each fund has its own kind of separate companies and then has its own uh kind of life with throughout which you will invest a fund we're not uh so so really the, the difference is really in the time horizon right like we're an open-ended fund well, or evergreen fund. So that means that we are constantly raising capital and we don't have kind of a, 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 a predefined life uh, for 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 this pool of capital to be deployed and for us to have exits to return uh, uh, yeah, cash to our investors, basically. One of the things that we're going to do, thank you again for your time today, Miguel. We would launch a poll, a poll um, about your talk on maybe what their biggest takeaway is. So go ahead, team, and um, we can do a poll that, uh, about our uh, presentation from Miguel. So the question is, which industries are you dedicated to transforming? And they can select between genetics, health and disease, feed, farm management, production, consumer products, and distribution. So thank you so much, Miguel, for your time. I really appreciate you being on this platform. And obviously, um, thank Una for me and Amy for having you on the show. It's nice to meet you. I would like to have to interview you more on the podcast, but this has been great. And so I look forward to getting to know you more. Sorry, I missed you at Aquanor. I wasn't there because we're preparing for the conference, but I will sure see you in one of the other events. Yeah, That's for sure. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> so go ahead and cast your vote for this um, poll. You can see in here now we have um, votes coming in. Really, really good feedback from uh, Miguel's presentation. And yes, you can have the copy of the uh, presentation material. As I mentioned, the, the team can actually drop on the menu what link 
so that you can get some slides. And obviously, uh, one of our sponsors is AquaSpark. So we're really grateful that they get to support our cause here in our mission to educate, to have a sustainable partnerships. I mentioned about leadership, partnership, and stewardship. So we're very much in alignment in terms of those values. And I see most of you are also in that direction. So thank you again very much, Miguel, for your time. And obviously, for the audience for being very engaging and asking those questions, even though it's a little bit more technical than the right brain side. I think you've learned a lot from that presentation as well. And if you're looking for um, investments now, it's very clear what the criteria is so that you can have a slam dunk um, presentation. And I saw a while ago um, in, on the chat while Miguel was doing a presentation talking about how to invest. So obviously we need to have you get a really nice pitch deck, which you learned how to do yesterday and what private equity people are looking for, what venture capital people are looking for. Now you've seen what this fund I call this just every green fund, AquaSpark fund of what they're looking for. It's a very, very important that you know what they're looking for. And so um, that gives you a little bit clarity on how to do your presentation to meet the criteria that they're looking for. So it looks like we have a winner in terms of our poll and the industry dedicated to transforming the winner is farm management. At, oh no, sorry, production at 67% followed by farm management at 56% and a tie between health and disease, consumer products and distribution. And then um, we have feed and genetics last. All right, so with that, I think we're ready for a little bit of a break. So unless, oh, maybe you can share with us first, what's your biggest takeaway from Miguel's presentation? So I mentioned my biggest takeaway from that one when he was talking about the Evergreen Fund and having a criteria, a very clear criteria. So thank you again, Miguel, for being on the conference. And I'll talk more um, soon about what we can do together because we're really excited um, that uh, you guys are really being um, supportive of what even small farmers are doing. So share on the chat, what's your biggest takeaway from Miguel's presentation today? Um, because we wanted to know what that is, if that if there's something that you find that was thought provoking, um, whether you even find that maybe the presentation is a little bit like, oh, that's what they're looking for, but I have this. So then you know how how to navigate that because it at early on, that was one of the things that we found when we were doing our pitching was, um, oh, we would present to a, let's just say set A of investors, but we didn't know what their criteria was. So this has been really enlightening in the last 10 years when we were doing our fundraising. You need to know the criteria of what they're looking for so that you will be able to navigate how to do your presentation. So um, Simon was saying that um, the biggest takeaway, investment for aquaculture is now, yes, welcome to trend number five from yesterday, right? Blue ocean revolution. So share your thoughts with us, drop on the chat below, what's your biggest takeaway so far um, in the morning session. So we're gonna go on a break um, pretty soon so that you can stretch your legs, stretch your arms. So um, we have more energy in the coming presentation where it's going to be another mind-boggling because we're going to be talking about web three in aquaculture who would have thought and then uh, mike was saying that formalizing the investment relationships in this aquaculture dwell west very knowledgeable guy so share with us your takeaway from this morning session from miguel session from philip's session and so far um Team, am I not forgetting anything in terms of logistics? Um, uh, I think we're going to have a break and then 
Um, we're going to go right to presentation three for this morning with Dolian Barcala from the Aquaverse talking about Web3, how sustainable aquaculture fits in into the whole metaversity NFT, which stands for non-fungible token, if you don't know yet, and how we can actually leverage this coming web of new technology into our own industry. Because as you know, there's a lot of talk about, we had yesterday about Bitcoin, about cryptocurrency, and how does this whole new ecosystem of what's happening in technology is going to affect our industry. Oh, Edna was saying that aquaculture is one of the best farming business in the world. Well, amen to that. <laughs> so um, is there anything that I need to remind everybody in terms of take care of yourself, obviously drink some water, which I probably should be doing right now. So grab some water. We're going to go in the break and then um, continue to drop down on the chat your learnings from our sessions this morning. And um, we will go on a short break and go from there so unless you have a question we got two minutes before the break so let me know if you have a burning question that i can answer before we go on a break otherwise i will have what we needed to do so go and maybe i can ask a question um to the audience as well so did you find that um from philip's presentation when he was talking about innovation that it kind of twisted your brain because that's exactly what happened to me when I had the conference with him with my team members it's like he's asking me to think too much how can I change my question when I'm kind of focused to having an answer to this question so that's one of the things that I felt when I originally had my engagement with um, Philip with the innovation topic because it takes a different mindset to be able to uh, get good answers from our questions. So with that, um, drop on the chat if you have a burning question. Uh, otherwise, we're going to go on a break. So thank you very much. I'll see you after the break. And you will see on our platform um, how many minutes are left. And um, go get some stretching. Go get grab some water or some nourishment because you have to take care of yourself. We'll talk about a lot of the, the future trends later today as well. And um, as usual, um, go to the event page where you can see um, some of your um, slides that are there. And we also have the recording of yesterday's call. So I am going now on off camera and I'll see you after the break. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Welcome back. I think everybody had a nice break for 20 minutes to recharge your batteries. And uh, we are getting ready for our next session. In fact, this is the last session. We have two speakers. Uh, Dolian is going to come up next, followed by our own Lodis. And then we'll be wrapping it up. But before that, I want to have a quick chat with you, Lodis, on the exciting technologies that are you know, in front of us, especially Web3. Uh, in my opinion, uh, it is a game changer. And uh, my take on Web3 is that there is a major power shift happening from big brands to what I call we the people, right? And uh, the days of Facebook are pretty much over in the sense they monetize big time using our data. And uh, we were liking, sharing, posting. They never created any content, just you know, made all the profits. But now in Web3, the tables have turned in that we own our own data. And in a you know, creator economy, 
it is a level playing field. So we can easily set up businesses using Web3 technologies, uh, payment gateways, wallets, et cetera. So a lot of exciting prospects uh, in Web3. What do you think, uh, Lourdes? Oh, well, as you know, I'm a big proponent of riding the wave, pun intended, because we're in the ocean business, right? So you ride the wave if you don't know how to surf have people around you who knows how to surf so you can ride the wave. Yesterday when we were talking about the future trends, I really highly encourage you to take action on all those action steps that we shared yesterday because we are riding the wave. And I'm riding this not just on my own. As you can see, we need community, as I mentioned. And as a community, it'll be easier to actually surf the wave. I can tell you a little story because I actually only have one experience having to do surfing and I didn't even do it. I was in Ireland in October, 2022. Yeah, last year or maybe the year before that. And one of the groups that I was in, it was a personal development with a twist of adventure. We didn't know that we were gonna go surf lessons. And at that time I had an injury in my thumb because I fell from a skiing um, trip with my son. But make the long story short what ended up happening was I cannot even carry the surfboard but <laughs> it was so cold it was Atlantic Ocean and I had this whole group a group of CEOs founders and what have you but they ended up being really very competitive in this surf lessons and here I am can't barely even carry my surfboard but there was somebody who was actually helping me do it it was the surf coach slash mentor so I didn't end up doing as much but I learned how to actually just be on my knees first and then I just ended up just enjoying the ocean so not even probably qualify as a surf expert but experience with people around me so I thought I'd share that <laughs> yeah, sure and you know these are exciting times and technology is coming very fast at us and I think after COVID the digital uh, you know, acceleration started happening. And uh, these are exciting times. So I'm sure our audience is, uh, you know, trying to move at the speed of thought. I call it speed of thought because, you know, new things are coming all the time. Generative AI, first there were 100 tools, then 500 tools. Now somebody told me 1,000 tools are already there. So it's crazy. Just keeping pace with technology is crazy. But another important point about Web3, because we are going to be discussing this in depth, is the concept of sustainability. And I'll explain how sustainability is going to be front and center in Web3. Let's take the example of the fashion industry. That's like the low-hanging food, all the Louis Vuittons, Gucci's are already, you know, having their NFTs and their virtual stores in the metaverse. So this is how Web3, in my opinion, will enhance sustainability. So today, we are forced to buy whatever these big brands design for us, right? The shirts, the trousers, the jackets. If they come up with something, that's what we are forced to buy in many ways. But what's happening in Web3 is that we will be able to design our own products and place orders for personalized goods, which manufacturers will make for us. That will reduce the wastage a lot because according to statistics today, 50% of what the brands produce in a given season is unsold. It is either liquidated or even worse goes to landfills, which is bad for the planet, right? So now you reverse it, brands will only make what we you know, order. So it's so simple. It almost means there is zero wastage. 
So this is not rocket science, this is common sense. And I think uh, all the big brands in every industry have to reinvent and rethink their business model. We were talking of innovation in the morning and Philip emphasized you know, how we need to innovate or we die. It's very simple, there's no third choice. It's a Hobson's choice, you have to innovate. And so I think that was the biggest takeaway for me in the morning session that all of us have to have our thinking caps of innovation always on, regardless of what business you're in. Do you agree, Lourdes? I do agree. I think that um, especially with the fast-paced world we live in now, I mentioned yesterday about Society 5.0 is about economies of speed and Web3 allowed us to do that versus economies of scale, which is Society 4.0. So I'm really excited about our next speaker because um, just to give you a little background about Dolian, it was it was actually kind of serendipitous how we met. And I can give you, uh, you can give the audience of his background later, but the way that we met was because I actually had a white paper where I was talking about the Aquaverse and my white paper, not knowing that it already exists. And my chief technology officer told me, did you know that there's already an Aquaverse? And I'm like, Seriously, I'm like, I was so ecstatic instead of being like, you know, I would probably have said, oh, it's already done. I but I'd reach out to him and said, I didn't have to reinvent the wheel because Aquaverse already existed. So it was amazing. That's how we connected. We started talking. But I am so fascinated how he created his community um, with the guardians. Like, I love it. The guardians of the Aquaverse. If you follow him on Twitter, the guardians and the aquaverse so that really is close and dear to my heart because as you know coming from the philippines probably should not bring up religion but being a very um catholic centered country the guardians always the guardian angels you know and so i was like i was so gung-ho with uh, dolian's company but it's a complete ecosystem what he built um allowing to act in a concrete way on the pollution of our seas and oceans combining ecology blockchain and gaming so maybe sure you can give a little bit of what you thought about Aquaverse. And we have here Dolian, of course. Welcome, Dolian. <laughs> yeah, welcome, Dolian, uh, to the uh, summit, I mean, to our conference. Uh, I know you are an expert in Red3. That's your topic for today. But besides that, uh, just a very quick introduction for our audience. Uh, Dolian is the CEO and founder of Aquaverse. And last year, his company was named as the most innovative company by UNESCO. So that's some achievement already. And innovation is really at the heart and center of everything that we do on a daily basis. So I'm going to hand it over to Dolian for his presentation, and then perhaps we'll have a Q&A on the other side. So over to you, Dolian. Welcome, Dolian. Thank you. Thank you, Sharad and Lord. And thank you. Hello. And I hope uh, you are doing great. Um, so yes, uh, I started... Um, I think I have to start from the beginning of the story. I'm uh, Dorian Barkala. I'm uh, born and raised in France, but um, I have um, my origin is Tunisian. So one day my, my father uh, came back from uh, Tunisia and he made me discover sea sponges. And that's when begins the, jo the journey. Um, when my father told me about sea sponges, I was uh, a student in biology. Uh, so I was doing some research on sea sponges and I saw the power it have. I don't know if all of you know uh, know sea sponges, but uh, it's uh, like corals in the in, that are living in the in the in the seas and uh, they have the ability to pump the water. They are pumping uh, uh, until uh, one hundred thousand uh, liter of uh, 
water per day and uh, they are, have the ability to clean up the organic and the inorganic waste, uh, like the, the heavy metals in the inorganic waste, uh, the microplastics, the cellulose. And for the organic waste, uh, it can um, feed themselves by uh, the, um, all the, um, the um, how can I say that, but all the, the things that are coming out from the aquaculture, um, like the... Um, uh, the, I don't know how to say it in English. Sorry, sometimes I will miss some words, but <laughs> but I hope you are, you all understand. So I discovered that um, that the sea sponges have this ability to pump and filter the water. So it's really important important for the aquaculture in tomorrow. It's really important to uh, clean up our seas. But what it's most magic in the sea sponges is that you can take a sponge, cut it by uh, ten times, each pieces can grow back again, and so we can do an aquaculture. Uh, in which we will have a positive impact by doing uh, by doing it, and uh, the sea sponges we produce the sea sponges uh, for many many purposes. We can do a textile, we can do a thermal insulation, we can do some product in co cosmetics, etc. So um, that's an interesting. That was an interesting way when I uh, discovered that by my father uh, to to, uh, to 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 produce things while having a, a, a positive impact on the production and on the consumption. So five years um, uh, back, uh, I discovered that and I, uh, I managed myself to, to, to quit the, the, the school and to go in the, an entrepreneurship journey directly uh, because I love to, to, to know more about the science on the field and not uh, in the school, even if it's uh, important also. But then, uh, three years later, I um, I was living in Marseille, so in the south of France, and I moved back again uh, to Paris, and I uh, met uh, someone that uh, uh, became my friend, uh, who is a, a senior consultant uh, in blockchain. And uh, he was uh, fascinated by the sponges, what we can do in the world with that. And he was fascinated also by the Web3 because he is uh, working in it. So I was fascinated about it. And... We talked about um, uh, se seven to eight months about how we can connect the sea sponges aquaculture to the web tree. And he made me discover the NFTs, the crypto, etc., and the, the profound and um, the deep um, sense of the, the blockchain. So it was really interesting for me because the deep sense of the blockchain is uh, to have traceability, to have um, uh, strong data on the on the on the web so we can uh, we can have uh, strong data uh, so it's really interesting to uh, to build a community to give rights to a community uh, to share uh, to even share some benefits uh, with your community so you can have a, a strong in, uh, engagement and that's what we have done um in uh, in 20 in 2021 2022 and uh, until now it was to uh, to connect the web tree to the aquaculture and uh, we uh, gather a community of uh, 18,000 people. We have made uh, like, uh, in, we have found our project up to one and a half million uh, dollar. And uh, we have been promoted as the most innovative company in the world uh, last year. It was, uh, it was a great achievement, but uh, we have uh, still a lot to do. And, uh, and we, uh, we are going to ahead now to it. Yes, you are. And I think that was one of the important things that I found about you and your company is your leadership. I found like to be able, 
in such a short period of time to create 18,000 people in your community. That's, I don't know anybody in the brick and mortar aquaculture industry who has 18,000 people in their community, but you also get funding from your community. Obviously you did a lot of really great work to be able to highlight the importance on how decentralized finance, blockchain and decentralized applications can be part of our whole integrated aquaculture. So maybe as a first question, um, you can tell us about how do you actually integrate all these new technologies um, into aquaculture industry to enhance sustainability practices, improve traceability and reduce environmental impact? Okay, so we have um, three key points uh, that is interesting. And thank you for all your <laughs> compliments. Thank you very much. And then we have three keys, I, I would say, in the uh, in the web tree to help the aquaculture. It's um, so uh, the the first tool is um, the NFTs. The second one is the the crypto, and the third one is the traceability. Uh, aquaculture, you all know that aquaculture is uh, really important to feed the humanity tomorrow, and um, it will be something that um, will be can be owned by humanity. I mean, and I mean in the in a in a right way. Uh, if uh, the people are feeding the, themselves by what we are cultivating, we can give them the right to have a traceability on the quality of the water, on the quality, on the quality of the the fish, on the traceability on the logistic of uh, of the fish or whatever we are we are um, cultivating. So this is really inter interesting. That's the first tool we can give transparency, and by giving transparency, we can give ownership also to a community that can give you fundings that. Will you can share uh, some benefits with them? You can share some uh, impacts. Also, you have like the carbon or whatever if you're doing alga. So it's really really interesting. So that's the first tool we can um, and the main tool we can have uh, through the blockchain. The uh, two the um, two following are uh, the NFTs and the crypto. So we heard a lot about it. We know that NFTs are. Uh, uh, monkeys on the picture etc but it's really really deeper than that with the nft you can create i will say to vulgarize a ticket that is uh, incorruptible um, that is uh, transparent and that is owned uh, fully owned by the people the, the the person who you're giving the ticket you can't corrupt this data so you can give a ticket to uh, to people you know and they are buying they are buying it so they are funding your project and with this ticket you can give him some access some rights some uh, if you want you can do a governance you can ask people uh, it can be um, mainstream people i will say i don't know how to say it in, in english but it can be also experts you can have experts in aquaculture that is your community and you give them governance and you have maybe some issues on the on streams or whatever and you have experts um, with you they can vote and the vote is incorruptible you can you cannot change this vote uh, during the time so you can create a company that can stand during the time thanks to nfts with that so it's just a ticket you can sell so the people will fund you and you will have some access to the data uh, of the benefits of the impact for example and then you have the cryptocurrency also and with the cryptocurrency you can have some um, more um, pushed, um, I will say, uh, funding um, funding tools. I would say because uh, a cryptocurrency is uh, is like a currency, so it's really fluid. It's really you know you can 
uh, trade them, you can give them, etc. So you can um, uh, you can um, uh, attach the value of your cryptocurrency to your aquaculture. So the people will uh, earn money while the currency will uh, go up. That's a mechanism we can have, for example. You can have also another mechanism with the cryptocurrency. You can have the people buying your cryptocurrency to fund an aquaculture. And uh, by doing this, uh, they are they have a part of your aquaculture and the crypto are like the NFTs. They are owned, fully owned by um, by um, by the people who own it. Uh, they are transparent, etc. So you can um, you can share a, an exact part of your aquaculture and share the benefits then, etc. So I, I told a lot of things, <laughs> I think, Lords, but that's a lot of tools, a lot of things you can do thanks to Web3 in the aquaculture. You can give transparency, ownership, you can have funding. So it's really interesting in the world we are going now um, to have those tools to have a better world, I think. Yes, and thank you. And I agree with you. There's like a lot of new things. And one of the people who was in the um, platform yesterday was talking about the reason, one of the reasons anyway, why it was a little bit hard for aquaculture companies to get funding is because it was Claire Pirbula from the Yield um, Love Asia Pacific was talking about aquaculture in itself has a lot of con against it on how to get funding because it's either too many species, it's yeah. complicated. And some people cannot see it because it's under the water compared to agriculture where you can actually um, see what they're producing. Um, and the reason why I'm saying this is because adding Web3 into the component, one will think that it will make it a little bit more complicated, but I actually find that it will add simplicity and speed to what we're doing. So which reminds me of my next question, because as aquaculture industry increasing um, reliance on data for decision making and transparency, what are the key considerations for ensuring data, privacy, security, ownership when utilize, utilizing Web3 technologies? And because we wanted to be able to strike a balance between transparency and also protecting sensitive information. Yeah, okay. That's interesting because uh, you're talking also about sensitive information. So it reminds me about IP and IP is a thing in the culture. So you you can all know that um, a blockchain can be a great way to secure your IP because legally, I don't know in US, but in France, it's the, in Europe, it's the, the case. And I think in the world, when you put something on the blockchain, your IP in the blockchain, you have um, um, a trace of the date in which you... Uh, publicate, uh, pu pu yeah, publicate. Yeah, I don't know how to say it, but um, your your IP, so you can pr protect it, protect it then. So you can have some mechanism like that. But um, to to answer your question, um, uh, that's really interesting because Web three is the perfect uh, thing uh, uh, in order to achieve all the the goals you've mentioned. Because um, as we know, aquaculture needs more transparency because it's below water. We don't see it and and the, the people are feeding from that, and the the, the government also uh, requires requires some transparency. So um, so it's interesting to put the, this data. Uh, it can be interesting to put this data on the on the blockchain. So the government already know already that the blockchain is something that you can't corrupt, etc. So it's a good point, I think, for them. If you if we can vulgarize a little bit for some of the people that don't know NFTs, crypto yet in the government, but it can be a a great thing uh, also for the in, in the most important things for the consumer uh, because they can have 
uh, traceability about how you produce your fish, the, uh, some level of pollutant, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and the, uh, the the blockchain is the best way to uh, secure your your data, to to make it transparent or to make it private. There is some blockchains that are doing also private information, so that's interesting. But um, I cannot say more uh, to not to to your question than that because uh, I will I will go to deeper um, deeper uh, technical thing on blockchain. But I can ensure you, and you can go deep on the on the the question that the blockchain is the best way to ensure your data. So, so, so to answer you, yeah, I, I, I will um, advise all, every people to see some vulgarization uh, videos on on YouTube, etc., on the blockchain because you don't see it the. Um, the, with the, the same look really is different it's interesting you're saying that because in itself your word of the guardian right <laughs> in my head it went like this is really what blockchain does and it's interesting because um, I was telling the audience a while ago when we introduced you that I had this white paper that I created I shared with you about <laughs> Aquaverse and and when I was doing that, this was I think two years ago now. I was actually not sure. Do I create a company that does it in Switzerland because Switzerland has the crypto valley, uh, as yeah. you know. So the people who are into blockchain web three have a lot of companies in Switzerland because their regulations are really supporting companies to be able to go in the blockchain. And so when I was thinking that, I knew that I can either go that route or I can go Delaware route. So, but make the long story short, it was faster for me to do Delaware route. So I ended up actually having a company called Manatee Meta. And when I was actually Googling our company name and I was looking for some information and what have you, and there it was, I was not touching it because I, I was, I gotten busy to get into my project on the white paper I shared with you, but it was like, it's there. It's like, I didn't even know that it, it's really recorded in a safe way, whether I want it or not, because it's already on the blockchain. But which leads me to my next question, because a lot of people who still cannot grasp what blockchain is, what decentralized finance is, what DAPS is, decentralized application. So when we were talking about, you know, reducing environmental impact, because I think this is one of the questions that they have before we Bitcoin was there it's mining and it's using a lot of energy so maybe in terms of scaling sustainable practices um, how do you think that it's crucial to meet growing global seafood demand and how can web3 technologies facilitate the scaling of sustainable aquaculture initiatives especially in remote or underserved regions and we have somebody here from Uganda from um, Nigeria and from other areas wherein they have a community of people um, maybe give us a successful case study or pilot project that demonstrate the potential of web3 in this regard Okay, unfortunately, there is not there is no uh, successful story yet on the, the aquaculture and the web three because it's so new. Um, but um, but I, I hope that Aquaverse and uh, and uh, and also Manati Meta because <laughs> it's really interesting to um, uh, that. Uh, I think that we will be uh, able to do that, but it's really a, a big challenge. But you talked about um, regulation, and you talked about. Um, uh, you talked about um, something else. Sorry, Lord, uh, I forgot. <laughs> You'll remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, about regulation. Um, uh, it's true that the crypto is so new that uh, we have some problems on the, 
on some countries, and especially in France, for example, in Europe, we have some regulation. We don't know yet if we will be able to do all the mechanism, uh, some of the mechanism, for example, I told you before with the crypto and the NFT, etc. Uh, maybe it will be complicated to do it in some countries. And when you are doing aquaculture, you do it because of the ge a specific geography to cultivate something. So you can't choose uh, for uh, for the, the Web3 part, I think. But um, there will be some companies that will, I think, gather uh, data from aquacultures that will be um, okay to share their, their data for a uh, a humanity purpose to have more transparency, etc. on it. And um, at this moment, we'll have something in interesting. And that's also what uh, we want to do with Aquaverse and what you want to do with Aquaverse too. <laughs> and that we will do it together for sure. But um, um, yes, that's a still a problem. For example, us, we are um, we are thinking about going to the Crypto Valley in Switzerland or maybe in the Dubai Valley because uh, something is uh, created. And that some countries that have a uh, uh, um, uh, more flexible regulation. And I hope that the thing in Europe and America also uh, will go uh, to the right way because there is a high risk that the, gover the, the, the governments uh, will block some mechanism that is really, really interesting for us in the aquaculture. But there will be always some, uh, um, some countries that uh, will uh, uh, let us... Uh, do that so as the blockchain is on the web we will be able to do something uh, for sure i think and uh, there is no um, really really successful um, stories that i know yet but uh, i hope that it will, they will be soon <laughs> it will be here it will be coming from our emergence called sam so but in continuation with what you're talking about, it's fascinating to when you were talking about regulations with different countries, because I think when Uber came about, it didn't have like, it's just fascinating because I know Uber, but you know where I actually first found it, that it was being used right off the bat, even it was very new, exactly in France. I was in an Airbnb. My husband and I were having couple time for two weeks when my son was, was born 14, almost 14 years ago. And the landlord that we had from that Airbnb was telling, me why would you like a taxi going back to the airport just click on, on uber and i'm like i didn't feel comfortable because it was so new i didn't want to give my credit card yeah. in for a driver at that time but it was fascinating to me how it was very well used in france compared to north america at that time so going back to regulations i totally agree with you in terms of how countries are sometimes maybe a deterrent in having new technologies into place because it's not regulated. And I was talking yesterday about the future trends on um, what are the boom and bust sectors and being decentralized is part of this. So maybe um, on the technical side of things, um, I know, I don't even know if you guys have DAO, so Decentralized Autonomous Organization, because I created like a group on Telegram where it's a sustainable aquaculture DAO. So maybe you can tell about our audience, and I know you alluded into this, maybe just on layman's terms, what DAO is. Yeah, okay, that's really interesting, yeah. Uh, we don't have DAO yet, but we will for sure. It's really interesting. DAO is for a decentralized autonomous organization. So it's just organization that you can create on the web tree with all the rules you want that will be written on the blockchain and you can't change this or, or you can change it, but you have to tell it to your community and they have to be uh, agree with that. And this organization will have uh, many purposes you can choose. 
for for example, you can have um, an account in which you can uh, put some money. This money will be held by all the community, and all the community of this uh, DAO will uh, will be able to make some vote to invest on this or this invest on that or or, or whatever. Uh, also, with DAO, you can you can do. Um, uh, some votes on the the governments uh, govern uh, the gov sorry <laughs> the governance I talked uh, about before um, and uh, yeah so if you have a, a decision to make on the, on an aquaculture they will be able to vote and you will have uh, the result to them so the DAO is really um, it can be a really simple or, or a really complex organization you have everything and th this this is new in the blockchain this is new in the world so. There is no rules yet for real. So you have to, you can create an organization with all the rules you want. And if you have a community that is uh, coming with you, uh, it's written on the blockchain. You can't change it anymore. You can put some money um, on this DAO so the people can uh, choose to do whatever they want with it. Give to uh, some people, give to poor people, give to, uh, to a company to invest, etc. And uh, by the way, I remember you, you talked about the, um, the efficiency of the the blockchain and that's really really interesting i don't know if, if we have time to talk about it we have time go ahead nice so yeah that's a really interesting topic because Bit bitcoin is known as a, a really cost um, uh, um, cost um, energy costing um, a blockchain because um, you have two methods on the blockchain you have the proof of stake and the proof of work the proof of work is the first one, is the one that uh, blockchain Bitcoin is uh, using, is that you have uh, typically, when I want to send uh, one Bitcoin to someone, there is a hundred of uh, computer that is uh, calculating a complex, um, uh, a complex uh, calcul and to be able to, uh, to accept my, trans my transaction. And they all have the 100 uh, computer have the same database so they know if i have a bitcoin or not if i don't have the transaction will be failed but so when i do a transaction you have a lot of computer uh, doing a calculation with a, a high cost um, of energy uh, so it's um, it's complicated to have a world in the, in the scaling scaling world to have uh, this type of technology but in the um, the blockchain you have also the proof of stake and this type of mechanism is not uh, using 100 uh, computer uh, in uh, one time for one tr transaction. It's a more um, smarter um, uh, and complex uh, uh, process, but uh, it's 99% more most efficient than the proof of work, the Bitcoin. So uh, there, there are some studies that have been made. If we change all the, the, um, the finance system of the world and by using the blockchain, the finance system of the world will be most efficient of uh, on energy. So um, with that, the, this type of technology, we can have a scaling, uh, scaling companies, scaling uh, markets um, on the on the, on the blockchain directly. Very good, very good. It's also fascinating about that too, because I think there's even an evolution in another mastermind group that I was in. They already had the third prospect, you know, proof of stake, proof of work. There's another one now. It, it, it slips my mind what it was, but I'll remember later. So maybe um, you can tell us what your work was in Jembe when you were working that for years. Um, and then it was launching an ecological revolution through sea sponge aquaculture, and then you added blockchain. And then maybe you can tell us a little bit on your journey on how you got here today. 
Yeah. So um, yes, I was uh, I launched Jimbe. So yeah, that's right. Uh, the first company, uh, the first uh, name of the company, the second name actually of the company, and um, the 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 purpose of this company is just, is was just to sell sea sponges from the sea, the, the fishermen to have some money to finance aquaculture, sea sponge aquaculture, and to make it possible. But uh, we had uh, like uh, thirty. Uh, stores who were uh, who had uh, our sponges uh, on their stores but uh, it was not um, you know, the people are not using as much as before the sea sponges so we have a lot of marketing to do in order to have this uh, in our uh, daily lives in cosmetics i mean but for example for the thermal insulator etc we had um, we, we we had something to do so yeah backing uh, backing to my <laughs> i'm getting back to my uh, journey uh, yeah, so I was selling sea sponges to make it uh, to make the sea sponge aquaculture possible. Uh, so we had a few money uh, with it. It lasted uh, three years, something like that. And then I, uh, when I came back from Marseille, as uh, I told, I met this guy. And this guy, the senior consultant in blockchain, he made me. I love technology since I'm young, but uh, I love the web tree and the, the 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 mechanism we can have with it. And my company, the purpose of my company, uh, one of the value of my company, I will say. It was that it was a company made by the people for the people because I'm not uh, from rich parents. I'm I I grew in the suburb of Paris, etc. So I went from nothing uh, to this, and um, and uh, the blockchain gives us a mechanism to make your company a little bit owned by the people, having a share of your company, having a, a share of the impact, etc. So. Uh, when he told me about all those mechanisms, it was in 2020, I think. Uh, I was uh, amazed by this, and then I told my team, "We stop. We go to the to the blockchain. We try to gather a community because this project have to be known, and the sponges have to be known because we invented nothing actually. The nature did it. Why we don't we want to have sponges in the aquaculture tomorrow doing the MTA etc. Is because you have sponges in every seas in every oceans." There is 10,000 different species and they are everywhere because they are, they are the kidney of the, of the seas. You have the sea sponges pump, pumping 100,000 a liter per day. And then you have some oysters or whatever doing a thousand, maybe maximum 100 liter per day. So they are really, really important for the ecosystem. So we, with the blockchain, we are able to, to make video and to talk to people. That's what I want to do. I want to do sea sponges uh, aquaculture. You have this thesis, this thesis, this thesis. You can be transparent. When we have harsh time also in the, the entrepreneurship, we can talk to our community. We can say, I'm not good. Actually, now I'm in a, a break because I needed to rest a little bit. So I told my, my community, I, I, I need a break. I'm a little bit tired. In five years, I'm doing this, etc. And they're here supporting. When we did some stores, for example, to, 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 to sell our sponges, they can go and see some people who sell sponges or sell cosmetics to convince them to sell sponges. So yeah, when he told me about all this, I was like, we can really create a revolution. So we went directly and we have made maybe six months of hard work um really hard work like uh, 50 50 15 year 15 um, hours a day uh, no weekend etc uh doing all the the characters of the guardians you, you call the guardians uh, of the of the aquaverse some sea sponges looking like a uh, spongebob but different that are our guardian because they have to protect the sea so we had 
because of because NFT is known uh, is known about the pictures, we you have to do a picture that represents your project, but you can have a deep project. So the sponges, the guardians, that was a, a message we wanted to to give to the people. And uh, thanks to the web three, you can gather a lot of people like this. Uh, you can give them some mechanism. They can help you uh, achieve your goals. So we went directly six uh, during six months. We worked and then we have launched our collection and. Uh, uh, we went from zero uh, followers on Twitter to uh, eighteen thousand, and uh, and uh, and yeah, it was beautiful. In I, I think in forty eight hours, all the NFTs, so uh, ten thousand NFTs, uh, was sold, and it was like um, one million and a half dollars made to make this project. So, so yeah, uh, that that was a really good marriage when I when I saw this. <laughs> Very good. Such phenomenal job that you guys did, but I think that won't be possible because of your leadership. I think um, one of the things that I really love about talking with you and how very open you are and how you're revolutionizing, obviously, the sustainable aquaculture industry, because not a lot of people actually talk about Web3 in our industry, which is almost kind of weird because it's like it's going to be like we're talking about the digital decade now and yeah. we're, st we're still talking about Society 1.0 called hunter-gatherer stage. So which leads me to your tagline in the Aquaverse, reconnecting humans to nature by re revolutionizing ecology with a very compelling enterprise promise. That is such a, I would, such a worthy mission for anybody in our industries, really. How can we save the ocean's ecology from what's happening from climate change? So maybe you can talk a little bit more of utility of the token sponge. So how is that? <laughs> Mostly was that's what's what people are afraid of. Maybe this is just in the <laughs> Yeah. So um, um as I as I told you, we talked about the, the regulation and uh, the the truth is is that uh, you have to shape your uh, mechanism with the, the crypto uh with the ut those utility you have to shape it to the regulation so we had some things that uh, we wanted to do that uh, were blocked in france but we are thinking uh about uh, going out maybe because those mechanisms is really important but to talk about about the utility we saw about the the crypto um first we wanted to do something really uh, simple the people can buy uh, or crypto, and then to invest in aquaculture in, to be able to have a scaling power uh, later, the people with this crypto can invest directly uh, in a pool, I would say, in which you're investing. And this pool represents an aquaculture we are doing in Marseille, for example, something like that. So we need uh, we need uh, 500,000. Uh, 500, so this is a pool of 500,000 and people are giving crypto. crypto. But th this mechanism is complicated because you have to sell when the people give you all the, your crypto you created, you have to sell all your crypto and then uh, your cryptocurrency will go, the, the, the price will drop. When you sell a lot, your price will drop. So we had some mechanism to counter that, but the regulation was complicated. But I will make it simple. The first one is invest. The second one is um, is um, to have um, a right to um, to to share pools on an aquaculture, for example, in Marseille, as I said, and to have the right to see the data, to to have shares about the impact, shares about the benefits. So that's the main thing. The third one is that the value of of this cryptocurrency will be attached to the value of our company. So if we have a, a more sponge project, more impact projected, 
the cryptocurrency will go up because people will want to buy those uh, crypto. I will say you why because this crypto we want to attach we want to attach this crypto to the shares of our company, the real one. I mean the equity part, an equity part of our company. So if our company grow, the share will grow, and then the crypto will grow also. And if the crypto grow, the people will be um, interested in joining. Uh, this currency so the price will go up uh, still up so um, that was the three main initiatives we saw but we have we are facing challenges challenges uh, regarding the regulation so we are trying to see what we can do and fix that in the time well you're welcome to manatee meta you know what it's like <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much we have a little bit of a question i think from the audience um I'm going to say, I'm just looking at, um, oh, Simon has just mentioned on the chat, I'm heading a cluster of fish farmers with a membership of 165. What can I do to handle traceability? Um, uh, so for fish farmer, I think it's important for the consumer to know uh, the, the journey of, the, of what they are eating. So maybe... If you have, a, if I understood right the question, if you have a cluster of fishermen, you can improve the traceability of the, of your logistic and give transparency to to the community, to have um, an a, an advantage uh, to your competitor and try to maybe to price higher also your project because you can um, cert certify that uh, your project is uh, in this quality that is uh, not fished uh, too far from the place in which you are consuming it. Or something like that. I think for phishing, it can be really interesting also to have a to have a data on the blockchain. But as it's not a projecting thing as the aquaculture, you cannot have all the mechanism I said before. I think uh, to but you can you can invent something. For example, if you need a um, you need you need twenty thousand dollars to do um, uh, uh, to do a, a, a fish operation. I would say this two thousand. Uh, twenty thousand euro will cost um, will uh, make you gain a uh, hundred thousand by the fish you are getting back. So you can say people with the cryptocurrency or an NFT, you can uh, invest on this travel on this fish operation, and uh, and then have a have an, uh, a part of uh, of the impact or the interest uh, of the the shares of the the numbers you are doing. Uh, on the on this operation, some things like that, but I think the traceability is the most uh, interesting thing to do for the fish uh, fish production. Yeah. Sounds good. And we have a question from Lindsay. How do we go about starting a crypto slash NFT to help fund our own projects? <laughs> That's what I did. So I encourage you to do it, but the market is really low uh, actually. <laughs> I would say. Yes. So, um, Lindsay, I would love to help you. Please book a call because um, we're going to go step by step on how to do about this. And obviously, um, Sustainable Aquaculture Mastermind Dolian will be part of this. And so um, it'd be great to do a collaboration and how we can do that as well. So thank you very much, Dolian, for your knowledge today. I really do appreciate the connection that we have. And we're going to have a conversation. But um, one last question. I think I'm seeing somebody just... Um, put some more. I think Victor was talking about traditionally QR codes or ISO 22005 could help. Blockchain-wise, blockchain VeChain is used for traceability by some major retailers like Walmart in China. Oh, I think he was just 
actually um, uh, making a comment in terms on how um, to use traceability. Um, yeah. That blockchain is not new. This has been ongoing for quite some time, but it's just got more robust on how um, we can do that. And so I think there's also, you already mentioned about the NFTs can also, Victor was talking about NFTs can serve as, as an equity certificate as well. Thank you very much, Lord. Thank you for this invitation. It was a pleasure and I can't wait to see the, the next steps. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Dalia, and I really appreciate you. Thank you. Bye-bye. So I'm bringing on Sharad um, because Sharad from Dubai actually is also an expert in Web3. So take it away, Sharad. Yeah, thanks. Uh, that that was really very insightful for me. I mean, despite being in the Web three business, you uh, there are no experts as yet because everything is so new. So we are all learning from each other in the ecosystem. And talking of Web three, I actually uh, run a community called Meta Shapers. So if any of you in the audience uh, are interested. I will put this uh, in the chat and we'll be happy to have you as part of our Web3 community. And as you know, community is uh, key in uh, Web3. In fact, uh, one of my mentors uh, always says uh, that uh, in future, the brands will not be valued by their market cap, but by their uh, community cap. So I think uh, this emphasizes the importance of community. And a lot of people ask me, what is the difference between a Web3 community and a Web2 community? Uh, in my opinion, uh, Web2 is very uh, transactional in nature, whereas Web3 is more relational. Uh, so that is one of the differences between a Web2 and a Web3 community. And in Web3, I find uh, people have a very uh, open mindset. And I say this all the time, Web3 is not so much about technology as it is about a mindset. This mindset of collaboration that I think Laudis brings with her to the industry is uh, really the key to succeeding in the future. So uh, I encourage all of you to be part of uh, uh, Laudis's community that she's building. Uh, join her on uh, the LinkedIn community page that has recently been set up. I'm sure it will become very active in time. Uh, there'll be a lot of events uh, that we will be hosting for you. And uh, I think uh, together, actually in the Web3 parlance, uh, we say hashtag WAGMI. We are all gonna make it, right? So uh, with that spirit, I think, uh, uh, we will uh, succeed together. So there have been a lot of learnings uh, since yesterday. I mean, uh, I think my head for one is spinning. So I want to ask the audience, uh, especially the people who've been here since yesterday, uh, what is it that has stood out for you? Please use the chat to let us know. And, uh, you know, we are always... Uh, uh, happy to share with you uh, all the wisdom that exists out there throughout our network. And uh, like Lourdes said, this is not just about holding a two-day conference. This is a commitment uh, uh, from all of us in the team to continue to bring you 
you know, all the industry leaders uh, who are shaping the narrative in this industry. So this is going to happen on an ongoing basis. And uh, please, uh, you know, be part of our community. And uh, our entire team is here to help you do that. And Stacy, may I request you uh, to share again the links of different ways that uh, members of our audience can stay in touch with us. And uh, I'm sure uh, through email, uh, through WhatsApp, and uh, through our uh, LinkedIn uh, page, we will uh, continue to inform you of all the forthcoming um, events that we'll be hosting. For those who were uh, not here yesterday, uh, the next conference is going to be uh, in December on 7th and 8th. So uh, do uh, save that date. Uh, details will follow and I'm sure we'll have uh, lots of wisdom to share with all the speakers that we are planning to bring to you uh, in the next conference. And uh, I think Lodis has already committed that this will happen on a quarterly basis. So I'm very excited about all the forthcoming uh, sessions that she's planning. And um, yeah, now I believe uh, Lodis is going to share with us some more trends that we should be looking out for. And uh, a lot of these trends keep coming at us, you know, at, what should I say, at lightning speed. I mean, Gartner keeps uh, putting out this uh, hype cycle, right? And according to them, the AI hype cycle has already peaked. So uh, there is something called Amara's law, which says people have a lot of expectations when any new technology comes but then it gets belied in time. So there is dissatisfaction that happens. And we saw that in Web3, we saw that with the metaverse, and now we'll probably see that with AI. So I think um, just keeping uh, your mind open, just like a parachute to everything new that's happening is a very good way of uh, you know getting to know what works for you. And like we discussed before, uh, at least I believe in this a lot, that it is good to fail. You know, when I was growing up, uh, my dad used to tell me, you should study hard and you cannot afford to fail. But once I turned an entrepreneur, you know, I, I realized that in a way it's good to fail because you learn more through failures than through successes. And I'm sure there are many entrepreneurs in this room who had a similar journey. The important thing is not to fail for the same reason twice, right? That's not good. So you fail, you learn. And that's it, like they say, either you win or you learn. You then take out failure from your dictionary. And I think that's the mindset that entrepreneurs need to adapt. And this, whatever we are saying works across industries. This is not generic to any specific industry. This is the mindset with which we have to work. So I'm gonna hand it over to Lourdes. I'm sure she's ready with her presentation. And we'll come on the other side and poll the audience in what you think resonated with you. And uh, over to you, Lourdes. Thanks, Sharad, for sharing that. And so um, what has been your biggest takeaway for this morning session? I mean, there's, again, a lot of information that uh, we shared with you today. So share on a chat what has been the one thing. Maybe just start with one thing um, that you took away from Philip's innovation presentation, from Miguel's um, presentation on investing in sustainables, 
aquaculture and with Dolian's Web3. So Mike was already saying um, his favorite is Miguel. So tell us why, why that has been really valuable for you. Um, maybe um, some of our audience can drop on the chat what has been their one thing that they learned from today's session that they didn't know before. It can be like, it can be a big aha moment with you. You see our logo here for the conference is the light bulb. So hopefully there's one light bulb that actually um, spark you to have um, something that you can implement in your business. So um, you fail, you learn, said Enoch. And then Pragada was saying that um, insights are opening, eye-opening and valuable. So I'm really so happy that you're here today because um, that's what I think is important about community. Um, I'm not an expert in any way, shape or form in the aquaculture industry, but I can now proudly say I'm a leading learner where in together we're learning. So in all of those conversations that we had yesterday and today, I'm learning myself too. And so I think with the podcast as well, um, listen to most of the people um, I interviewed there because you learn a ton in terms of what has been um, happening in the industry, not just in Web3, but um, in the investing, impact investing, a lot of um, the technology that's been sweeping our industry right now. And I know that um, for those of you who are not yet part of the LinkedIn community, please do join. Um, we'd love to continue and support you after our conference. And obviously, we'd love to have you when um, to be on a sustainable aquaculture mastermind. Victor says, we live and we learn, agreed, sounds good. Okay, so I am going to share with you my screen to continue our conversations about the future trends. So um, let's see if I can share my screen and actually be able to get the top six to 10. Oh. Zoom is just asking me for uh, what happened there. <laughs> it's asking me for a password. Hang on a second. And sometimes technology also have a little bit of a challenge, right? So it's all part of the learning process. So here we go. Oh, I think, can you see my screen now? Yes, yes. Okay, great. Okay, so I'd like to get started again. Um, we're sharing with you how the AquaConnect conference happened if you're not here yesterday. So um, it all started in May 2021 when I started my podcast being in the same situation where you are. I was listening to a micro school conference wherein we were talking about everything marketing and podcasting was one of the tools that I thought was really easy for me because I get to learn while I'm talking to people anyway. Everybody was on Zoom after um, the pandemic. And so I use that as my wave of where I am right now because I collated the top future trends in aquaculture in 2021. And then asking the same question to 15 guests that I have, um, what's the future trend you're seeing in sustainable aquaculture? I did that again in 2022 and adding two more questions. What's the future trend you're seeing? What's not changing? And what are the future challenges in terms of um, the industry? And then in 2023, as you know, when ChatGPT launched in November, 2022, I really just asked ChatGPT, what are the top future trends if you have the brains of these brilliant experts and I have different names? 
And I'll share you later what it came about, which I shared you yesterday. But before that, it's not only about technology, it's all about people as well. I was talking about community. And so again, I would like to acknowledge our sponsors today, uh, Pitch at the Beach and Pitch in the Sky um, with Angel's Nest in Latam with Israel and Olivia Pons, Tim Kennedy, Sherry Ballew and their team from the Canadian Aquaculture Industry Alliance, Aquaspark, um, you saw Miguel today, um, but my gateway was actually Amy Novogratz and Una Eager and Deb Hellbach and her team from the Center of Seafood Innovation and the Vancouver Island University, my Europe team from the Aqu Association of Sustainability Practitioners and Binakil, this is Philip's company, you heard from her today, and obviously our company um, who is the main sponsor for the event today. So again, it's all about people. Um, this conference will not be feasible with the help from my team, Michelle, who you met yesterday, Marilise on the backstage, Stacy, who's helping us today, Ross from the Philippines, Sharad, you met today, and Mary, and Anna Popacek and Michelle Nolting from the Genius Youth Group. So I asked this question yesterday, so I wanted to start again with this question. So maybe those of you who are here today can share with us what came about as answer to this question from yesterday. If we were having this discussion three years from today, and you're looking back over those three years, what has to happen in your life, both personally and professionally, for you to feel happy with your progress? This question has been asked many times in our organization, in my own personal life, and I learned it from Dan Sullivan, who is the founder of Strategic Coach. And it's called an R-factor question, R, which stands for, I mentioned yesterday, relationships. So I want you to drop on the chat what the answer has been for you from yesterday's session. And maybe you came up with another one today. So share with us those as well, because I'd like to know where you are seeing yourself, who are you with? Um, what are you, are you going to do in the next three years? Well, maybe even just a year from today. I would love to see you a year from today that you'll be attending our conference again, because this is, as I mentioned, it's not just a two-day event, it's a community. And so I'd like to share with you this again from our founder. Well, Wayne Gretzky was once asked, what was the secret of his success? And he said, he never goes for where the puck is. He always goes for where the puck is is going to be. So where is your puck going to be? If you already did the purpose test yesterday, I would love to know what has been your purpose that a lighthouse, because we share a lot of information. I want you to be able to not get distracted, have fear of missing out or having information overload. We, talk, we talked about mental health in a lot of different ways. So I want you to take care of yourself and this is going to be your lighthouse. Knowing your purpose in connection with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals is going to be your lighthouse so that you can get focused to ride the wave on what's happening in the digital decade. So I mentioned that I shared with, I'm going to share with you the 10 trends in sustainable aquaculture, but I want you to focus on the word and more because I did that yesterday as well. So these are the top 10 trends in sustainable aquaculture based on the brilliant minds that ChatGPT4 gave me. And I shared this yesterday as well. And um, someone in my team will actually share again the link for the whole top 10 trends. But I want you to be careful because I mentioned there's a lot of information as well. And so- Good day, everyone. Going to end up happening is that you will know a lot of this because there's different information online. So even these top 10 aquaculture trends um, provided by Start Us Insights, as I mentioned yesterday, 
you can already get overwhelmed with the different trends that are over there. But what is actually more important is what we talked about yesterday. So I'm just summarizing here the trends that I shared yesterday. The age of distrust. Now that we're coming from a point where in there's too much chaos happening in the world. You heard we talked about winter is coming. It's not coming. It's here now. The world is in chaos now. So what do you do to gain trust, to be able to be in the boom industry? The age of AI, we talked about that yesterday as well. We even had Tony from Manlin Aqua talk about how AI came about. How can we ride the wave of AI so we're not fearful of something new? Something new can help us to the next level. Society 5.0, we talked a lot about what it's like to be high tech and high touch. Powered community, obviously it's shameless self-promotion. Please do join our LinkedIn community because we do want to help you. We also talked about the blue ocean revolution. You heard Miguel talk about e-fishery this morning, being a unicorn aquaculture company. We talked about asparagopsis seaweed being used by CH4 Global, who just finished their funding for $29 million. And West Coast Aquaculture, who did an IPO in cryptocurrency granting that they got delisted. It's the second mouse going to get the cheese and the um, monkey syndrome. And so um, there's a lot of things happening, but now I would like to share future trends six to 10. So we talked about this, what your action steps are from the um, future trends that I shared yesterday. So be know that you have this in your notes. You have to create a roadmap. Obviously we would want to help you how to get started on what your steps are after the conference. Join our LinkedIn community as mentioned. Make a list of how you're going to ride this green economy, green tech that's happening in our industry. But now I'd like to bring you future trend number six. So what are these new economies? These new economies, so write this down. There are three of them. So the gig economy, which is the creator economy, blockchain economy, and circular economy. So I wanted to do a little bit of each one, but know that in your notes, you can put down those three economies. So what is a gig economy? Especially after COVID, you know that there's less labor that's available in terms of some industries, but the labor market now relies heavily on temporary and part-time positions filled by independent contractors and freelancers rather than full-time permanent employees. You will see here the history of the gig economy, wherein it actually started in the 1900s. I didn't know this until I had this presentation. And as you know, 2021, 2022, after COVID, there are a lot more people feeling more comfortable having more quality of life. Really, it boils down to more quality of life that they have more autonomy on how they're going to work. In fact, I think there's even talk about some of the people who work from home during the pandemic don't want to go to offices anymore. I mean, if you're having to have less commute, that's more life added to your existence, correct? And so I wanted to talk about how in this new economy of the gig economy, you can take advantage of having maybe a side gig. Uh, let us know if this is something that you would want to do, how you can get started being a freelance if you're a full-time employee or if you're an aquapreneur, what other gigs you can do with your other partners. So I wanted to go and have a conversation. The next one is blockchain economy. We talked a lot that, about that with Dolian today. And um, I think the biggest issue in terms of blockchain is that 
a lot of people don't understand what it is. I come from a background of certified public accounting and my background is in audit. So one of the things that I make it simple in my head, make it simple in your head, right? Is that in accounting, we have what's called ledger. So it's basically just a notebook or a journal that we put in where we actually jot down the history of a transaction. So basically blockchain is the same, it's a ledger, but it's in the ether. So that's why it's a little bit complicated because nobody sees it, but it's a record. It's a, a record on the cloud, if I may say that. And Sherrod may be able to explain to you a lot more because he's more into Web3 than I am, but I just made it simple. And so the importance of this is a little bit later today, I'm going to do a trend of why blockchain economy is important. And you saw this from um, three weeks ago. Aquanor flow through salmon farms fall into tax gray area. Aquamoth lets numbers do the talking. So there's already a lot of how tracing of transactions is very hard. That's why they call it gray area. And how does blockchain help with that? So obviously, we're going to talk about the first attack that's been happening is the tax. So taxes deducted from your paycheck at source if you're, if you're, and you don't know how much you're going to get at the end of the day. So what is happening? How does blockchain can help with that? Second attack. I mentioned a while ago, I was in the mastermind group the other day and how much a lot of people apparently who had corporate six figures income jobs in Canada are moving to Costa Rica because it's just too expensive to live here. They can't pay their mortgages. Um, where they can actually have a, probably a really nice area that's ocean view in another country. And food costs, our food costs here in Canada has probably quadrupled, if not triple, after COVID. And so inflation, obviously, and I think the rates here is um, based in Europe, 9%, prices are rising. Everything is getting more expensive, not just luxury items, but basics like I mentioned, food and drinks your quality of life will start to fall unless you earn more. It's a very big issue that we're gonna stress about if we can't meet our quality of life. And what's the third attack? Maybe you can grow your money in the bank, but the days of 6% in banks are gone. You're lucky to get 0.5%, maybe even minus negative percent if you leave your money in the bank. With official inflation at 9%, you're losing money when you keep your money in the bank, literally. Fourth attack, the more there is of anything, the more worthless it becomes. You heard about printing of money by governments. Central banks are printing more money than ever before. The more they print, the more worthless it becomes. That's why blockchain technology is going to come into play. And don't just think about now. Think about 10 years from now. You know, you're from aquaculture. You are resilient people. Most ocean farmers I know will ride the legacy. What is going to look like? let's say a hundred years from now with the generational legacy that you're going to be leaving. So the money we own becomes more and more worthless by the day because of a lot of printing. So, and that's not even talking about attacks five, six, seven, or eight. If you want your children to have a good education, you need to pay for it, whether it's private and or university. Your parents are not getting any younger. I'm in this situation. My mom is 86, turning 87, actually next week. And my dad is 80 and retirement homes are ex increasingly expensive. One day you will realize your pension is not enough and you've run out of time and energy to do anything about it. When money stops flowing in, you'll have problems when you're older. We are all living longer which is good news, but at the same time, if we're out of money, 
our golden years are not golden at all. So these are just some of the things that are attacking us, left, front, and center. And I'm here not to be a Debbie Downer, but I wanted us to use the wave so that we can take care of ourselves and not be depressed by what's happening in the world because of these attacks. So we're being attacked on multiple fronts. Tax alone won't kill us, but it makes us weaker. Our money is not growing in the bank. It doesn't kill us, but again, it makes us weaker. Price inflation won't kill us, but it also makes us weaker. So when our money is becoming worthless, that alone doesn't kill us, but the tax and not getting anything in the bank and the price inflation and the value of our money is falling, what do we do? So when we are hit on many fronts by several things at the same time, it has a huge negative multiplier effect and it literally kills our finances. So it's just a matter of time. So how do we ride the wave? Use blockchain. So now the next economy is circular economy. And I'm moving into this because um, I had a really good workshop from Monday, I think, or Tuesday. And the Association of Sustainability Practitioner has a workshop on finance finiteness and sustainability. And this video was shared, so I wanted to share it with you. What do you know about the force? Impressive. Lesson one, sit here, legs crossed. The force is not a power you have. It's the energy between all things, the tension, the balance that binds the universe together. Close your eyes. Breathe. Now, reach out. Breathe. Reach out with your feelings. The island. Life. Death and decay. That feeds you like warmth, cold, peace. Violence. And between it all. Balance. Energy. A force. And inside you. Inside me. That same force. There's something else beneath the island, a place, a dark place. Balance, out of light, out of darkness. It's a cool. It's calling. Resist 
So I wanted to share that with you because there's a lot of talks now in terms of balance. And I was talking to one of my mentors the other day and he talked to me about mostly it's about balance, but it's also intention of priorities and intention of choices. So we hear a lot about ESG, environmental, social, and governance in the circular economy, in the sustainability world, but there's also a lot of greenwashing. And when I talked about the three pillars of sustainability, leadership being defined as um, do the right thing, even though nobody's watching. There's also a lot of opportunity that's available for us. The ESG assets may hit $53 trillion by 2025, a third of global asset under management. So how do we ride this wave? Impact investing, you can see here in terms of mapping ESG strategies. And again, these slides are available for your own um, reference after the conference, but know that there's a lot of this that's happening. And what are the business models that you can ride so that you can take advantage of this? Because in the near year, maybe three years from now, this can be one of the answers that you have in our questions of what would that look like three years from now? What's the circular economy business model that you're gonna be implementing? So here are some statistics that you can see um, at your own leisure, but it really talks about the models um, broken down into renewability, sharing platforms, product as a service, product life extension, and resource efficiency and recycling. Which leads me to my next and my favorite of all trend is the future of money. So I share in my talk in Melbourne a month ago, actually, uh, about this trend. And how many of you have heard of the word BRICS in the last year or two? Uh, maybe even it's the first time that you heard it is today. So we'll talk about that. But if you go online and chat GPT or Google it, how much the, the dollars has declined in the last 50, maybe even 100 years compared to how the crypto has risen in value? It's a staggering, the big gap on what that is. So again, you can look at all of this in terms of prediction. And um, you can watch the videos that are on the reference on your slides. But just know that the future of money is very different from what it was like even 10 years ago. U.S. debt rank compared with the rest of the world. You can see all these references about the U.S. debt ceiling and about what's happening in terms of the, the reserve currency. And so even China has a digital yuan now. And all of these statistics are available for you. But I wanted to highlight this slide because BRICS stands for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And interestingly, actually just last week, Saudi, Iran, Ethiopia, Egypt, Argentina, and United Emirates already actually joined this um, financial defense, I call it. If you're familiar with NATO, um, that's a regional defense alliance. If you're familiar with NAFTA, that's an economic trade partnership. BRICS is actually a financial defense, defense. And if you get a copy of the book, Permanent Distortion, it talks about geoprotectionism. Basically, they wanted to be able to protect themselves from what's going to happen with the North American currency. And so they're developing this new reserve currency. Interestingly, they call it probably BRICS box. So what value are you creating to create your own economy so you have your own financial defense? Because it's very important in sustainable business 5.0 that you have this. That's why I was discussing the future 
of money because this is very important when we go and actually think about what's going to happen. And you've already seen some of this news. This news was actually from a year ago of what happens when Biden threatens Saudi after OPEC got cut. And then Saudi about threatening the West with all of these other news, right? So you have this in your fingertips now. So what are you going to do about it? So you can read this at your own leisure of what are all these references that will define the future of money. And obviously, as I mentioned, all these future trends is to alert us of how we can ride and surf the wave of these future trends. Um, you can see here of how much households are invested in different kinds of um, empowered in opportunities right now. So you, these are all in your fingertips. Now, I shared yesterday too about, I have a mentor who told me in the group that we belong to that millionaires look for opportunities, billionaires look for trends. And so in this workshop, you are all billionaires because you are now equipped with these future trends. Which leads me to trend number eight. And this is one of my favorites because this has appeared in all three years of the trends that I've been collating and it's called seasteading. And for those of you who doesn't know what seasteading is, I'd like to share with you this video. Question I get uh, quite often is what is seasteading? And um, seasteading started out, I guess, in 2008. It's a, it's a movement. It started out as a, as a nonprofit. Uh, so it's called the Seasteading Institute based in California. But I think just a couple months ago, seasteading is actually a word that's recognized by the Oxford uh, Dictionary. And what it means is uh, living on platforms at, on the open oceans and it, uh, with new forms of society. So the way I got uh, involved in seasteading is um, I was a government minister in French Polynesia. So a lot of people know my country by the name of Tahiti. And uh, when I left the government, uh, I was looking at interesting opportunities uh, for what we could do, uh, in, especially in terms of uh, sea level rise mitigation. It's, a, it's an issue that's quite um, front of mind for a lot of Pacific Islanders, especially now. And um, I had come across this, uh, this institute, uh, read about them. They were very, uh, there was a lot of media uh, focus on them back in 2008, 2010, 12. So basically I reached out to, to the institute and said, um, my understanding was that they had built a huge network of specialists, of aquapreneurs, of uh, scientists, researchers, investors. But what the movement was was missing was the support, strong support uh, of a government uh, the, of, that was willing to have a light hand on on regulation and allow uh, such an ambitious project as uh, as the first, the world's first um, sustainable, self-sustaining uh, floating island. So French Polynesia had the advantage when when I reached out to to seasteading to have, several things that um, the Institute was interested in. And one of the first questions they asked was about connectivity. So, you know, is your country connected to the internet backbone? Uh, uh, connectivity is obviously crucial for big data that's gonna be generated by the researchers, the scientists. So the first thing was, do you have a submarine cable? So we checked that one off. 2010, uh, French Polynesia connected to Hawaii. So we're right on the internet backbone huge unused capacity, I think 99% unused, so uh, obviously available for, for research. 
And uh, the second major concern was about uh, hurricanes, cyclones, and tsunamis. So basically, all right, we're going to be doing this uh, this pilot project, uh, Floating Island. Obviously, the weather and uh, the situation in your country is is important to us. So we did some research. I already knew from from being from French Polynesia that this was a very rare occurrence. Um, I think we've had two hurricanes in uh, the last hundred years that had significant uh, damage. There was property damage, a very light uh, loss of, of life, and um, tsunamis are not really an issue for us. We're in the middle of the South Pacific, so we get at least an eight-hour uh, window uh, before any tsunami were to hit us. But just given the geomorphology of the islands, we don't get these high waves that you get uh, when you have a continental uh, shelf. The objective of the pilot is to get all of these technologies tested on a smaller scale. It's small, yet we should be able to support around 200 people. So our objective is 200 to 250 people living full-time. There would be about a third research and scientists. A third uh, will be people who just love to live on seasteads. And we've got a long list of people who want to come live on, on a seastead. Another third, we believe, are going to be startups and entrepreneurs that are building uh, uh, technologies around the ocean. Uh, so basically all sort of blue tech. Uh, you've got underwater drones. Uh, you've got all, all of these uh, different types of, of um, startups that, that are linked to, to the space. We also have the issue of uh, energy. Now, obviously, we, we need... So you can watch that on your own, but I just wanted to have your eyes open on what this is like. So... As you know, Hong Kong and Singapore is actually already on this. That's why they're very progressive because they're in an island and the government have a little bit of um, not quick access because they're helping each other together how to be sustainable in that island. And interestingly enough, one of our partners actually, uh, I think three years ago told us they have a 10,000 tons and 80,000 tons freighter that was no longer seaworthy for ocean-based farm for yellowtail or yellowfin. So this is already happening. It's not even going to happen. This is already happening. So with that, I'd like to launch trend number nine, learning networks. And these are pretty straightforward. You guys are here to collaborate and learn and peer support. We have our community now. You can do the networking opportunities and hopefully we see you in person in real life from another uh, workshop that we're gonna be doing. But what we're doing today is informal learning and knowledge sharing. The days of going to school to learn is, as you know, has changed after COVID. So I am very appreciative and in great gratitude from all of you who are here because you started that route and being able to informally learn from experts that we have today. Which leads me to this. Buckminster Fuller said, whether it is to be utopia or oblivion will be a touch and go relay, race right up to the final moment. Humanity is in its final exam as to whether or not it qualifies for continuance in the universe. Join the world game because he also said to make the world work for 100% of humanity in the shortest possible time through spontaneous cooperation without ecological defense or the disadvantage of anyone. He also have his 35 by 70 foot Dimaxion map, center for learning about world resources, problems and prospects on a global scale, while students standing on the map, enjoying a view equivalent to that of 1500 miles above the earth. Which leads me to my last trend, enterprise nation, because as you know, 
to be able to own your own economy and have a sustainable partnership with community, we need to have this enterprise. Dolden and I were already talking about decentralized autonomous organization. So I'd like to ask you a question. How can we be of value to one another? Let's have our own business support network, a resource hub. I'd like you to think of us in our community as a resource hub, a community for learning and collaboration. And with that, I'd like to share you about this Korean um, clip that was shared again with ASP last Monday because it really honed in on me on what can we give to each other so that we can all be of value. So I'd like to share that video with you because like I said, we are all learning here will be of value to each other if we work as a community. So we'd like to continue help you with your journey. Obviously, I'd like you to join a sustainable aquaculture mastermind, book a one-on-one -on -one call so that we know how to be able to help you. And with that, I'd like to share this one last video with you because the sustainable aquaculture movement is at the precipice of change. Any questions to ask you? Well, we're not so different after all. I wish that were true. But there must be alternatives. You must have some technology that could solve our problem. Your problem is not technology. The problem is you. You lack the will to change. Then help us change. I cannot change your nature. You treat the world as you treat each other. But every civilization reaches a crisis point eventually. Most of them don't make it. Yours did? How? Our son was dying. We had to evolve in order to survive. So it was only when your world was threatened with destruction that you became what you are now. Yes. Well, that's where we are. You say we're on the brink of destruction, and you're right. But it's only on the brink that people find the will to change. Only at the precipice do we evolve. This is our moment. Don't take it from us. We are close to an answer. We are in the precipice of change. Thank you for joining us. And 
I'd like to be able to see you in our LinkedIn community. And so with that is the future trends. And I hope you learn a lot. I'm open now to questions. I see there's a lot of things going on on the chat. So maybe I can have one of my team summarize all that questions for me. So put on the chat, what's your biggest takeaway? And I would love to hear what your learnings are from this trends six to 10. So Sharad, maybe I can have you over and um, you can guide me on what some of the learnings, maybe ahas that you see from the chat that's happened there while I was doing my presentation. It was uh, so Thanks, Lourdes. I mean, uh, a lot of things to wrap my head around. Uh, all the 10 trends that you've shared over the two days are an absolute must for all of us to follow. And there's one that, uh, you know, is very uh, dear to my heart, and I'll share that with the audience as, as well. It's a concept uh, called transhumanism. And transhumanism is a belief that technology can solve any problem on the planet. So we have to be all transhumanists. And I'll give you an example. You know, you and I could live to be 200 years if we could slow down the process of aging. Right? It's not rocket science. It's logical. So I'm working with a bunch of data scientists in Spain who are uh, working on a technology where people will be able to log into the internet with their brainwaves. No password required. And this will put hackers out of business. They have already stolen $1 billion from us in the first nine months of this year alone. So if you believe in technology, then a lot of good things can happen. So talking of trends, uh, I wanted to bring in this belief that uh, we have to think out of the box. We have to challenge ourselves. And technology is evolving so fast that if we are creative and innovative, we can crack any problem. So let us all think big in that sense. And uh, uh, you have inspired us, Lordis, I mean, to say the least. Uh, a lot of the things like the future of money made a lot of sense. Just uh, today, as you know, G20 summit is being held in India. Some of the most powerful nations on the planet have descended there and they have signed a treaty today, which is going to be, uh, you know, uh, very good for the world. They've created what is known as an India, Middle East, Europe economic corridor, right? So goods will flow through this corridor. Uh, the, it will become more cost effective. Uh, logistics, transportation costs will reduce, and it's a game changer. So I think, uh, like you said, collaboration uh, is the key to succeeding. So whether it is companies or countries or continents, that is clearly the way forward. So um, let us, yeah. So for me, the biggest takeaway was a very simple thing that you said today, which was uh, millionaires look for opportunities and uh, billionaires look for trends. I mean, that's amazing. It's very powerful. So I was so far looking for opportunities. I think I need to shift gears. So yeah, let's look at the uh, chat. Um, we need some more questions from the audience. So let us know what you know resonates with you. I have a poll which I can perhaps put up uh, just to find out from our audience, you know, what uh, makes sense to them in terms of the trends. Uh, yeah, here we go. I think it's uh, ready. So, 
sounds good. It's either I did a very good job or they're all sleeping now because it was such long and too much information. But either way, we would love to hear from you. We are almost at the end of our conference. We got um, five minutes for more questions if you do. And we're doing our trends for uh, uh, the poll for um, three minutes. And then after that, we were going to go into some more information session. If you have any questions, Abel, um, Sam. And um, obviously, we want to have you in our community, book your one-on-one -on -one call, and we'll see how we can get into your own project so that it will be more of um, customized for you because some of the things that you probably heard may not be applicable for you. So I would want it to know how we can make it more um, specific to the, I guess, situation that you're in. What are some of the challenges that you have in your company or organizations or even in your community? So um, please do join us in our LinkedIn community, book your one-on-one -on -one call and listen to the Business of Aquaculture podcast. Um, we'll wait what uh, future trends are on the poll right now you're seeing. Which of the future trends shared today most surprise you? And I'm seeing here the future of money is leading the way followed by the new economies. And so, um, Drop on the chat, what's your biggest takeaway from the whole two days that we've been together? And I'm really honored that you let me serve you in this in these last two days. Um, let us know your um, biggest aha. Thank you, Lindsay, for being here. Really appreciate you being um, engaged in our community now. And all of the other people do drop in the chat. What is your purpose? What did you find out from taking the... Uh, assessment, if you have that already, I mentioned yesterday, mine was uh, no poverty and education was the tool that got me there. And now with life below water and partnership for the goals. Thank you, Edna, for being here. Um, really happy that you guys are very, very much um, into the love of learning, which is one of my values. I think that's the reason why you're probably all here. And so, um, oh, it looks like the future of money is still leading with this poll. Um, so we got 30 seconds on the poll. So do cast your votes on what you think was the future trend that actually um, resonated with you. So Mike, thank you. You were talking about invest inventors and innovators, Shark by T-System is looking to work with you. We look forward to working with you. Thank you for booking the call this morning. Um, Michelle would be happy to know how we can serve you um, and make sure that you cast your vote. We got nine seconds left and we have 50% future of money leading the way still. Um, and with that, I would like to share. And so it won. So the future of money is the favorite trend. So with that, I would like to share with you again what we're up to with the Sustainable Aquaculture Mastermind. Um, book your call. But right now, I wanted to talk about... Uh, <laughs> yeah, future of money is number one. Let me just see if I'm able to share my screen and we can talk more about information on what's happening with the sustainable aquaculture mastermind and what does that intake so um i think i should probably be able to share my screen now here you go so sam is the emergent out of this um 
conference, I mentioned the roadmap that we're following. So we had the podcast that gave birth to this conference. This conference gave birth to Sam. And then once we have the Sustainable Aquaculture Mastermind, the 12 people who are joining us today, we already had two spots filled in. So we'd love for you to join us. And I want you to join not just because you got the money or you got a very good project, but to also be of value to the people in the group because we wanted to change what's going to happen in the blue ocean revolution. And with Sam, we're going to create the Aquapreneur Academy where we're partner how to get the information out that will lead to the sustainability school. So as you know, one of the things that has been happening in our industry is we're very fragmented. And what ended up happening is if you're a small farmers or a medium slice business, you ended up doing things on your own. For example, I was giving an example this morning wherein if you're looking for funding, you probably would like to have a pipeline of investors. Let's say I put in five investors, another company who's also into aquaculture have five investors. What we ended up doing is doing our own thing. I go pitch to my five investors. They go pitch on their investors. But just imagine the power of there's five of us with five people on the list. We get to present to 25 investors instead of five. That alone is game changer. And so this is one of the problems that we wanted to solve with Sam is how can we get together so we can have the emergent. So I mentioned the vision is to create an aquapreneur academy that will lead to the sustainability school. One of the technologies that I mentioned is sweeping the industry are the five technology. I mentioned it again. I mentioned it yesterday. EdTech, FinTech, SpaceTech, GreenTech, and um, obviously uh, all of the things that are happening in the Web3. So this is just part of the education revolution that we do in partnership with uh, Genius U, who is an ed tech company, who's helping us um, raise the profile of sustainable aquaculture. So Sam is going to be game-changing for the community. If you are looking to grow your business by at least two times in the next 12 months, this could be the right mastermind for you. I mentioned that I belong to different mastermind groups, actually. In fact, I belong to four of them. And that's what's helping me grow because the people who are there are way ahead of me. And so I just follow them along. So I would be very grateful if I would be able to help increase the value of what you're doing right now in your sustainable aquaculture journey by being in the program. So it's a 12-month program, as mentioned. We only wanted very few people in it because we wanted to be able to customize the solutions that we have for you. And so book a call if this is something for you. It's not for everybody, just so you know, because um, we wanted to be able to know that all of us in the community share the same values and beliefs. And so we will have mentors go in there. Claire is part of the group. And um, I have some people in the lineup right now. And so I would like anybody who joined the conference, actually, I have a price, actually, I forgot about this, um, that we are actually giving away a one-on-one 45-minute -on -one, um, session with me to see how we can customize the solution for you. So if you book a call, we will have a raffle and Michelle and I are going to have a raffle of who is going to get the session so that we can customize a solution for you. I mentioned this morning um, for those people who are in Canada on the call, um, this may actually be qualified for a funding. I don't know. We'll find out. But book the call so that we can find out if that is for you. And then um, what's included if you join? If you see the picture here, it's actually a visual on how we're going to do this. Uh, we would love to have Sam sustainable aquaculture mastermind to be the hub. It's going to be the resource hub for investors, for partners, 
for small and medium businesses, a startup or a scale up and for suppliers. So we wanted to be able to not just do it alone where we're all over the place when we're looking for these people. We wanted to be the center, the hub, the resource for all of these docs, pun intended, because of our industry. So it's a year-long journey. Um, you will have people in the group who are dynamic entrepreneurs like yourself. Um, and this is what you're going to learn. We're going to craft your personal vision and our Sam vision and your business vision. Blueprint for exponential growth. We wanted to at least double your business and or your organization. We master sales and marketing dynamics. I wanted to highlight this because when we were talking to some of the trailblazers in the industry, they have portfolio companies. And we found out that out of the many challenges that entrepreneurs, especially in the ocean farming business, this is actually one part that was lacking is how to do branding, how to they can promote themselves. They're great in terms of producing the product, cultivating their product, how to produce the species that they focus on. But in terms of telling our story, and I showed you a lot of videos today, I told you some personal stories during the two days. It's because that's what's needed in our industry. How can we create one voice to create our story? Obviously, I'm big in partnerships. I won't be here today with Maybe you can drop on the chat, why are you here today? Who actually referred you to be able to join us these last two days? Pitching for investment with impact. We talked about that with Oren. Obviously, you heard from Miguel this morning as well. And cultivating high-performance teams. How are you able to have world-class talents in your team so you don't have to do it alone? So what if you don't have any money? How are you able to fund someone who's really highly qualified so you can literally, I believe that the reason why we were successful, and I give you a little bit of background about the conference, we really literally pulled this off having people registered from around the world because of the partners that I had. Without the help of all the sponsors that you've seen and the partners that we had, we would probably not be able to pull this off. But it needs a creative and an innovative mind to be able to create a high performance team. If we're coming from a lack mindset, a scarcity mindset, I just gave you the 10 future trends I mentioned. You all now have a billionaire mindset. So let's use that. And obviously, we're going to be focusing as well on what's the art of an exit strategy. I mean, I had Dan Sullivan as the R factor question originator. But he once told us as well, if you really love what you're doing, you're not really going to retire because you're just so passionate about what you do. But at one point or the other, there can be ex exit strategy, which can be you don't have to do the day to day anymore. Maybe your exit strategy is you just wanted to focus on the innovation side of things or maybe like what I'm doing. I'm focusing on the people side of things and the education side of things. That is a little bit of my exit strategy, even though I'm not really exiting, if you know what I mean. So I wanted to know what that is for you. So book your call and this is you can find all this information um, on the website. Um, the team will uh, drop on the link where you can find this. Obviously, I wanted to get to know more about your project, who you are, because it all boils down to relationships. So it includes a two-hour mastermind with me and the people who are going to be in the group. We will have hot seats to focus entirely on how we can customize your project a one-on-one -on -one strategy call with me. You can have access to me if you need any information. You will have the gold sponsorship for the next year's conference and a VIP ticket for next 
year's conference. We will give you also general 100 tickets for general admission because we're going to go big next year. This is just our launch. We're going to go bigger next year. And we're going to give you 5,000 discount for the Aquapreneur Academy programs that we're launching next year. You're going to have the Wealth Dynamics Masters event from the Genius U and a one-year membership for Genius Metaversity. And they have a lot of really good people that they um, put in there once a month. Um, who knows? There was a question today about how you can use um, Web3 to launch your project and finance it. This is some of the things that we talk about there. We'll have individual membership for you from the Global Seafood Alliance and uh, individual membership from the Canadian aquaculture industry. So um, because they're one of our sponsors. So it's 12,000 to join. It's going to be 25,000 next year. I mentioned that we're only looking for 12 participants. Let me know how I can help because there may be a funding agency that's already going to help you on how to finance this. I mentioned I used actually the Canadian Digital Adoption Program to fund our conference. I was in Aquaculture Philippines and Aquaculture Melbourne, Australia in July. That was funded actually by the CAN SME Export. So let me know if there is some way, one or another, please book a call so that we know how we can help you here. And who are people that we're looking for? Startup aquapreneurs looking to double in size, established aquapreneurs who's looking to scale, obviously, if you're looking for an investment and if you want to be a fast growth startup. And so with that, if there's any questions, we are going to stay online for 10 more minutes. And so if you have any questions, um, please do take action. Let us know how we can support you. We'd be more than happy to customize a solution for you if this is something that resonated with you. Because at the end of the day, I would like to be able to be part of your team because we can do together is better. So with that, um, is there any questions? So maybe I can stop screen share and then I would be able to see what's happening there in the chat. Um, it's nine minutes to one Pacific time for me. And maybe for some of you, it's really late. Um, let's see. Um, Learning networks is my number one. Enoch just shared um, his top trends that resonated with him. And so um, I'm just looking at my chat now. Um, so much here. Um, Rob just is one of our supporters. So do connect with him in the community. And we'd be more than happy to um, let you know. Oh, book on your calendar. December 7 and 8 is our next um, event. And it may be in real life where we're going to do pitch fest where in you can act the theme for this is community. The theme for the next conference is about um, how to fund sustainable projects in aquaculture. So you're going to be pitching your deals with real life investors and there will be real investors who's actually going to be um, funding your deal. Um, Mike asked a question, are you and your husband actively farming? If so, what is your niece? Yes, very much so. We're into gooey duck shellfish. It's a king clam. We planted it for 10 years, Mike. And then we finally had our first harvest last year, actually. Our second harvest, this is spring and this summer. We're in Vancouver Island. So I know you're from Vancouver. So come on, visit. Actually, Rob Arthurs, who's also here in the audience today, help us do some hatchery tours. But our farm is in Savory Island. So um, yes, so I know, where are you in Vancouver? Where is Spark Bike? 
Yes, Edna. So are you in the Philippines, Edna? Because I was in the Philippines just July. So I may come back for Aquaculture Philippines in May, actually. So yes, please come over and visit the farm. Um, book a call. I wanted to know and find out more about your experience. Um, you were talking about being Nigeria and Uganda. So um, it would be good to know what your project is about because it's always, I think, especially in the less resource country i came from a third world country my mom as you saw in the booklet is um, book smart my dad is street smart and education was the tool that got me to where i am today um, simon has a question is there is there a way i can be sponsored because i really wanted to be part of this simon please do book a call i wanted to find out more about your um, clean water project and dive more into how we can help i'm sure that with the people that we know we may be able to find some sponsors but i wanted to make sure that we have um, equal opportunity for everybody because i believe everybody has a really good project so um Obviously, we would find some more um, people to be able to um, qualify you for a sponsorship, if not funding. So Edna, um, go and book the call. I would love to be able to know more about you. Um, oh, you're already booked. Thank you. So Simon's are actually already booked. So I will find out from Michelle um, for next week what's going to happen. And with that, I think that I'm going to stay for five more minutes here if you have any more questions. But to wrap up our conference, um, maybe drop on the chat again, the one thing, one thing that you're going to implement after you rest for the weekend, or maybe you didn't have to rest. You were so excited with everything that we shared in the last two days. Drop on the chat your biggest learning. So I'm going to think about what my biggest learning as well, because I, as I mentioned, we're learning in this together, collaborative peer network support. I think my biggest learning was about the word evergreen um, because that's dear and near to my heart because that's what sustainability is to me. It's uh, everlasting. It's um, It doesn't stop. It's an infinite game. It's, uh, let's see, 300 years from now, what we created in the last two days is still going to evolve and we're not living the legacy. We're leaving it. So collaboration is key, according to Sharad. Sharad, come on over and um, maybe um, you can tell us what your biggest one thing that you're going to implement after you rest, or maybe you're so excited too that you didn't have to rest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, like I said, uh, we've had uh, TMI, too much information. We need time to process it. And uh, yeah, a lot of learnings from all the speakers. Um, I think I'm becoming an aquaculture uh, expert if I attend one or two more sessions. So uh, yeah, a lot of learnings, uh, a lot of uh, case studies were discussed. And I think uh, from my standpoint, collaboration is key because no individual can, you know, on his or her own achieve greatness. But as a team, we are stronger. And I say this all the time, two and two is 22. This is the new synergy, and uh, that's what it's all about. So we should all uh, collaborate and uh, agree to disagree sometimes. That's also okay. But uh, together, we can uh, go far. So for me, the biggest takeaway is working together with like-minded people. And uh, even with competition, you know, you don't have to think competition is your enemy. You need to collaborate. That's the Web3 concept I talked about earlier. So it's having an open mindset, collaborating with every, everybody, uh, baking a bigger pie, and then obviously you get a larger market share. With that approach, 
you are bound to succeed. So that's my biggest takeaway. And as Robert is saying in the chat, never stop learning. And yeah. you learn something every day. Cooperating while not competing, which reminds yes. me, Simon Sinek, who is the author of, of Start With Why and Find Your Why, talks about having a worthy competitor. Your worthy competitor is going to be your best collaborator. So Absolutely. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again very much for everybody. So we're going to sign off in three minutes. But um, if you have any questions, please book a call. We'd like to be able to have you on, Sam. And um, in our next conference, hopefully you get to pitch your project. And we have a lot more coming. Um, for those of you who actually also ask about continuing professional education, we're actually moving into that direction. Uh, Michelle has some conversations on how um, we can give um, CPE credits for our next um, events. And so let's find out as well if we can help you to have a roadmap in terms of if you can get sponsorship or um, grant in terms of how we can finance your continuing education and obviously your project. Um, Victor was talking about a lot of information and learning will need time to process. Go and have some time for process time. Rest as well. Make sure you don't have information overload because um, find your lighthouse. Make sure you have the purpose test because that will be your guiding light so that you don't feel um, overloaded. And um, to be able to say that um, there's a lot of things happening in the industry. Uh, Mike, it's our pleasure for putting this conference together full of info and much help. I'll be coming to see you soon. Yes, thank you. And Simon, like what I mentioned, let's talk about, let's see if we can sponsor training for fish farmers. Um, maybe we can go and do an event to where you're located another time. And um, Robert was saying, journal, journal. Yes, it's still very much applicable in, at this day and age. You can see, I, you're not seeing the side of my table. I actually got lots of notes. <laughs> so when you're seeing me like this and like this, I either like typing my notes or writing my notes. So um, I, I remember when I was still in university, someone, one of my favorite professor said that even though that um, there's a lot of things that you can type now either with a typewriter at that time or with um, computers when you use a lot more of your senses you have the ability to retain more so with writing you're using your um, sense other senses other than just you know brain and typing so um, this is what we wanted to impart today that with all of the learnings that we have hopefully we can at least implement one if you can implement just one, um, obviously we wanted to implement more, but to leverage the power of the learning uh, is implementation. Um, speed of implementation. One of my coaches told me about speed of implementation. So with that, I'd like to thank my team. Sharad, thank you for helping us moderating. Mm -hmm. Um, my team, Marilise, Stacy, Michelle, Mary, Ross, and Anna, and Michelle Nalding, thank you very much. To everybody who joined us and trusted us in this last two days, I am in deep gratitude with you. I'll see you in the community in LinkedIn. I'll see you on the podcast. I hope you do book your one-on-one -on -one call and we'll be delighted to have you in a sustainable aquaculture in mind. With that, hasta la vista. Yeah. Thank you, audience, for the privilege of your time and see you on 7th December. <laughs> <laughs>